You wanted the worst? You got the worst. It is WCW Halloween Havoc 1991 watch party here this week on Kicking Out It 2. I'm your host, Dave Rosenbluth. And you know what? To be quite honest with you, I'm not sure if you wanted the worst because I would hope that you would want the best content possible when you're listening to this podcast. And I try to give it to you each and every week. And I appreciate all the love and support that you guys uh, give me by hitting the download button. But, um, you know, hopefully you're going to continue to hit that download button following this week's show as we're going to be watching one of the worst pay-per-view offerings in professional wrestling history something so bad that it's really good joining me to do that is my good buddy dennis j levy the 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 king of gimmick wrestling if you will what's up man chilling glad i'm here that that uh that uh like you said this 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 pay-per-view is so awful that's amazing yeah um for those of you out there that are a little late to the party, a couple weeks ago, Dennis and I recorded a uh, a podcast, and we talked about um, we we talked about possibly doing um, a watch along of this show, and I thought, why not? I've never seen it before in full, and I think it would be a pretty neat idea to go back and watch one of the worst pay per views ever. Um, so, uh, with that being said, you can head on over to your WWE Network, uh, make sure you're logged in, and go to the in ring section on the left hand side. Click on that. Then you're going to get to the next page and you're going to scroll down and click on the WCW section. Then once you click on that, you're going to go to the WCW pay-per-view section in the WCW uh, uh, home, if you will, on the network. Click on that. The year, 1991. The date, October the 27th, 1991. We're just 29 years shy of this of this uh, anniversary, this unfortunate anniversary, if you will. Um and it runs about two hours and 48 minutes or so. Uh, we're going to watch this from start to finish. And when I say play, you're going to press play. And uh, we're going to you know, keep keep the, the sound muted on your end, on your television, so you can listen to us with our running commentary. From time to time, I'll let you know when I'm going to play the audio on my end. Uh, there might be a, a promo I'm going to want to uh, to. to, to to play for you guys so uh you know with that being said let's get right into it in five four three two one hit play so we open here with the 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 cinematic uh graphics here for from 1991 ron simmons and barry windham along with uh abdullah the butcher is that oz yeah well my, must rick steiner El Igante, if you will, set to appear in the Chamber of Horrors match. I love this opening, by the way. I've never seen this before, so this is interesting. Luger and Sting. Yeah. And here we are. Halloween Havoc, 1991. Live from the UTC Arena in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Good-looking crowd. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like uh, it looks like they, they they filled the house. I mean, it's a smaller venue, so I would imagine that uh, didn't take much for them to. You see some empty seats up in that little middle oh, section yeah, there yeah, on the right. Well, yeah. And there's the 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 cage match, which was the which was the site of the original Thunder Cage from the 1989 Halloween Havoc. And here we have uh, Jim Ross along with Tony Schiavone, the current commentary team for AEW Dynamite. Good point. And uh, I will say, um, obviously, their days 
of their best commentary are behind them, but, uh, you know, they're not terrible on AEW. I know, my, I know my brother gives them a hard time, and sometimes they can be all over the place, with, especially with Excalibur, but I don't mind them. I think Tony Schiavone is a very underrated commentator. Um, I think he doesn't get his just due when it comes to the discussion about, you know, greatest play-by-play guys. Oh, look at this. Mr. Eric Bishop. Bischoff, Mr. Third String Ring Announcer. So um, let's, let's play the audio here. Hey. Hopefully we're going to get a chance to talk to some of the stars here that are involved in some of these great matchups. First of all, we see Cactus Jack and Abdullah the Butcher. Cactus Jack, welcome to Halloween. Bang, bang. Havoc. I can't really think of two people more, well, more suited for a Chamber of Horrors match than Abdullah the Butcher and bang, bang. Cactus Jack. It's, it's, oh my gosh. Cactus Jack and Abdullah the Butcher, they're ready. Believe me, they are ready for the Chamber of Horrors match. The other question on everybody's mind is, who is the WCW Phantom? A lot of people asking that question, and as I said, hopefully by meeting some of the stars here a little early, perhaps we'll find out. I see now making their way, it's the Diamond Stun, also in that Chamber of Horrors match, along with Diamond Dallas Page. Welcome. Look at this. Not a lot to say. From Dallas Page and the Diamond Stud, I'm sure the Diamond Stud has got a lot on his mind. Flying Brian Pillman gets a shot at the very first light heavyweight championship belt here at Halloween Havoc. It is going to be excitement. Now making their way, I see it's Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes. Welcome to Halloween Havoc, Barry Windham. I can't believe it. Wait, wait a minute. Wait. That was pretty awesome. That was kind of cool, the, the the slamming the car door in the hand. Larry Zabisco and Arn Anderson from the... Dan look at look at Dustin. He just props Wyndham up into the passenger seat, and it's like, all right, I'm going to take you to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think man. it was a story behind that, wasn't there? Like, where... They were scheduled to face Anderson and Zabisco, I think. Yeah, and I think um, he got hurt in real life yeah. or something. That's, that's quite possible. I wonder if this is around the time period when Barry Windham's father and brother got into a little bit of legal trouble. I'll 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 touch on that in a little bit as we see here the That WCW side looks like shit. Oh yeah, it looks like some fourth grade art class made that shit. Let's Why look. do you have the sparkles on it so so, so you like zoom right on it? What are you gonna set the thing on fire? <laughs> Holy crap. Look at this. This is terrible. Oh my god. Let's play the audio for this shit show. The participants in our electrifying first contest. Oh, God. Are you reading any of the, the tombstones? No. Mine was, here's Mike. He lost his bike. <laughs> oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, from team number one, Argentina, seven feet, seven inches, weighing 454 pounds, the largest athlete in the world, El Gigante. And now, ladies and gentlemen, representing Team Minnesota Twins, number 91. <laughs> <laughs> They're good that year. They won the World Series. Was it 91 or 90? 91, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jaguar Series, yeah, 91. I should have said like Expos or something. That would have been really funny. 
Saddled with this fucking gimmick. The diamond stud sounds like a dick dancer gimmick. <laughs> yeah, it does. And now, ladies and gentlemen, from team number two, he hails from Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, 287 pounds, Practice Jack. He brings a chainsaw with no blade. <laughs> You're right, there's no blade. Or no chain, I should say. There's a blade. There's just no chain on it. Yeah. Representing team number one in the Chamber of Horrors from Detroit, Michigan. The crowd's going bananas. Five hundred twenty-five pounds with Scott the Spider are jacked all the way up to his tits. Yep. I'm kind of confused here. I'm kind of confused with that, with that niche team. So the way they set it up is a little weird. So what they did was, was they announced Ellie Gante, and then they announced everyone else on the other team, and then yep, and the action were underway. Um, they, gave everyone, been... they gave everyone the, 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 the same entrance music, but then when Sting came out, he got his own entrance with his own music, as you heard there. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, right? it was like the, like the, the, the standard, you know, like theme music of the pay-per-view or whatever. That all the guys came out to. And then... Look at this. Rick Steiner's gonna rev up the chainsaw. For what? The fuck? Yeah, there's no blade. My goodness. Now, if you'll notice... There's a few things you're gonna notice in this match, Dennis. I don't know if you remember. I've I've seen this match once. I've not watched this entire pay-per-view until now. Yeah, you're not... Once is enough. Yeah. But, uh... This camera view here. This is the referee camera. Which, <laughs> damn, this thing is cracking that stick over Vader's head. Which you see Nick Patrick is wearing. This was their version of like a, a, a helmet cam. As you see, that's the point of view of the referee there. And look at this. There's like goblins and monsters that are in these caskets. You see, that's like just a random yeah. jobber in a mask. We talked about that a few weeks ago. <laughs> Look at this. And poor guy. It's fucking nonsense. Oh, man. man. That hurt. Yeah, that, that wasn't gimmicked wood. 
That was the real deal right there. Did he say fuck you? I think he, he might did. Have. I don't know. He might have. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this was um. This was during a period of time where it was really bad for WCW. Oh yeah, and that, look at the ref with the helmet on. Oh, yeah, that guy looks like an idiot. That overhead shot here, you can see pretty much all the action. Was it just was it just for this match? Um, they might have had the helmet cam for a few of these matches, oh, to be God. honest with he you. he looks like a fucking idiot. Yeah. But, um, what the heck was that? They're shaking the cage? Something looked like it fell, like dust fell off the top of the cage. The comment says this thing, this should have been the main event. But, uh, did, did they, you think, uh, they knew this match was so shit that they just, they're like, just get it out of the way? It could be. It could be one of those situations where they're like, all right, let's just get this shit over with. Let's put it on first and then everything else, you know. But at the same time, you could also make the argument that... And where is you, the electric chair? I don't even see, I don't even see where it is. The electric is. chair is going to come down from the ceiling. Okay. Yeah. That's even sillier. I'll probably play the audio for when they do that because I'm sure the electric chair gets a separate entrance than the rest of the guys <laughs> in the match. But Vader's already got his mask off. Sting's going at it. Look at the Hall of Fame level of talent in this match, though, with the exception of Ellie Gante. You got Steiners. You got the Steiners. You got Abdul the Butcher, who was yeah. a big name. You got Cactus Jack, Vader, Sting. Butcher, he's in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. We ate in, oh, his, re- we ate in his restaurant. Jesus Christ. Watch out! Play the audio. situation with the lever shortly I'll I'll point it out to you and you know there is it's, it's quite obvious there's another another issue with the chair but uh we'll get it we'll get there when we get there all right so the lever is like in the right corner over there you'll see it like kind of against the cage there the lever looks like it's already been pulled down is that right You'll notice there's a few times I think Cactus had to go climb back up to pull the lever back up. It's uh, it's kind of (laughs) what the fuck is that? (laughs) Oh my goodness! So where exactly is the lever now? Oh, what the fuck is this? Someone needs to pull the lever on these idiots. Oh my goodness! What the fuck is this? They won a contest or something. I don't know. And, uh, I'd like to know what's the story on those uh, orderlies. That's what I'm saying. What is this? I'm assuming because, like, you know, you're getting electrocuted from the chair. They're, they're like, uh, going to bring him back to the morgue What or the fuck? Abdullah climbed his fat ass up that cage? Holy shit. Does the lever, is that even, even hooked up to the chair? The how can is, it be? So, all right, I think that's the cord. We're right next to Rick Steiner there. Right. You have to climb up and... Yeah. I am so confused right now. And I watched this match. I saw this match once. Yeah, I'm with you once. I watched it, actually, like the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, Jesus. He cracked Cactus. Good. Cactus cactus. got some blood. 
you didn't have to come for this match. Would you? All right. So hey, if it sucked that bad, you need to I mean. do something to save it. You might as well just you know. So I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I'd be like, this match is so shit. Why would you color yourself? I don't know. Yeah, this was during a period of time in WCW where, you know, the wheels really were falling off. If uh, Ric Flair was no longer with the company. Um, Jim Hurd, who was the president at the time, was not making decisions that were best for the organization. They were they were trying to basically be like a, a like another version of the WWF with all the cartoonish stuff. Yeah. You know, this was during the time where they had presented Ding Dongs and the Hunchbacks. I like the Ding Dongs. Uh, <laughs> they made me laugh. What's wrong with you? You don't like it? No. Uh, I, I thought... <laughs> no, not in the least bit. I thought... Uh, see, here's the thing. Uh, I thought the Ding Dongs went wrong. That that uh, They used the bell in moderation. Like, like it's... They, see, they, they just used it throughout the whole match, which got annoying. I could picture it, like, like right before I get hot tag, right? He's like, the guy's ringing the bell, you know, come on, come on, you know what I mean? I don't know. I thought they were fucking hilarious. Look at this here. Steiner choking Abdullah, who still climbed up on the cage. Yep. Why would he climb on the cage? What's the purpose? I don't know. I mean, the only, way, the only reason to climb up the cage is to climb up and pull that lever that's in the right corner over there. But no one's in, in in the chair. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Why did you pull the chair down so early? Why didn't you wait until you were gonna do the finish to to, to pull the chair down? I mean, I guess I, I don't get I why guess you're trying to get give us some suspense here, and and show the you know the the the, the chair in the ring and make he, maybe you know some some guys are attempting to put their opponent in the chair. I don't know. see like this right here with Sting and Diamond Stud there, and then you get Scott Steiner. Involved, you know, Vader. Yeah, and it, you know, Eligante ain't going in that fucking thing. No. No. That uh. See, because it just looks like one big giant cluster. Fuck. See, look, the lever's down. Look, you're right. <laughs> look, it's down. The camera shows it too. What the? <laughs> Why would the camera show her? That was the, that was ten seconds. Yeah. They're idiots. They didn't realize it. Now Abdullah's got some color. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so an electric chair. I highly doubt you actually know this answer, but I, you're smart. Hey, hey, well, thank I, you. I, 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 I consider you a very intelligent. Well, person. thank you very much. So I that appreciate being that. said. You, 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 don't, it, it, you don't have to put me over. You could still appear on this podcast every week. So, so. <laughs> I'm kidding, but So, the electric chair, if you don't have a subject, per se, in the chair, and you hit the lever, it still would give off electricity, don't you think? I would imagine so. <laughs> so, and, and that, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that. Someone's got to tell the boys the switch is on the, on the wrong side. What? I think I, I think at some point, I think it's Cactus is the one that climbs back up there and hits the switch to turn it back up. I think he's the one that realizes or somebody said something to him. Now Sting's got some color. Everybody's getting color in this match. You're going to do a blade job, and you're going to do a blade job, and you're going to do a blade job, and everybody's going to do a blade job in the Chamber of Horrors match. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Abdullah the Butcher. We like, to his house of ribs in, like in, in, in Atlanta. Good Chinese food. Yeah, that's, that's, just, that's uh, a, there's a Chinese restaurant pretty yeah. much. 
Well, where's the location? I wasn't paying attention. He was in Atlanta. Okay. We got to, well, I didn't get to meet him. I think Daryl and Justin met him. Okay. I know Daryl's got a picture of Abdullah forking him in the head. Look at these guys. Yeah. Why is it? Yeah. The Mullet City thing. over here. Yeah. They look like a couple of cast-offs from a Motley Crue video. I like to know, are they part of the, are they part of like the, the crew that does the ring or maybe, something? Or? or maybe they're local guys that, you know, looking for a payday. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure. I think it would be funny with like a contest, but there's no kids or nothing. So. No, they're all, yeah, they're all middle-aged adults with white face paint and ashen gray. White. See, look, the lever just dropped, and <laughs> now Cactus is climbing up. Look at this. <laughs> Why would you focus on him? What the fuck is wrong? <laughs> see, I, see, oh smart, my god, smart move. You know what's really <laughs> funny too? The jobber, the jobber has no idea what to do. Yeah, none. He because he's handcuffed. You see that chain right there on the left? He's handcuffed to the floor. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah. So they brought in these like jobbers hidden in these coffins here. And you notice there's like like black soot or ash on these guys on their back. You notice? Yeah, like, elegant. Yeah. Yeah. There was some sort of substance that came out from the ceiling that like showered these guys like early on before the chair came down. I wonder if there was like paint or something. I don't know. But. Yeah, this uh, this match here is a shit show. I just feel bad for the jobber, especially the one on the uh, the, the left hand side. Yeah, he's cuffed. And then there's another one cuffed on the floor on the right. I want to know. First of all, who came up with this idea? And second of all, how they pitched it to all these guys? Like, like who was the like? Who who would have been booking this at the time? I don't know. Ole Anderson, but he was more traditional wrestling, so maybe it was Jim Hurd. And you you heard the story about Jim Hurd and his run as the president. He was the guy that let Ric Flair leave with the belt to yeah. go to the WWF. Yeah, the pizza guy. Yeah, yeah, the pizza guy. Yeah, but to see, look, there's a referee up there fixing the. <laughs> <laughs> The referee climbed up to fix the fucking thing. It's such a shit show. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know what? Maybe Dusty. You know what? Dusty might have been booking. This is a... I think this is a Dusty creation. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. This is the finish right here. Let's play it. Sitting on the headpiece. Now, now watch the um, watch the um, the helmet or whatever. Look at the rings on fire. Think about what he's experiencing. He's the thing is that even on him. <laughs> Look, they're, they're stomping out the ring. There's fire in the ring. What a wild matchup. Oh, my the goodness. on fire. They use sticks. They use steel. A lot of blood was spilled, and Abdullah felt the power of the chair of torture. Ladies and gentlemen. What was he even touching his head the whole time? The Chamber of Horrors, the team of El Gigante, the Steiner Brothers, and Steve. 
So Dusty goes to these guys and said, look, baby. <laughs> What we gonna have here? We gonna have you fall on one side, you on the other. We gonna have this big cage. It's gonna be like a war game. So it ain't gonna be the war games, if you will. And it's Halloween, so we gonna get an electric chair. And Abdullah, we gonna put your big fat ass in the chair. And then Cactus gonna pull a lever. Even though the lever is gonna be all the way down, he gonna pull it back up. Then he gonna pull <laughs> it down. And then we gonna electrocute you. You gonna get blood. It's gonna be a big old filibuster, if you will. All right. There's gonna be a lot of money. They are gonna draw a lot of money. It's not. It's gonna be unlike anything we have ever seen before. And you, if you in, in, in all of wrestling, if you will. So what we're gonna have you do, all right? You know, since you don't want to do a job, since you don't want to lay down and do your job, if you will, we're gonna electrocute you. We're gonna put you and fry your big old brain in this electrocution chair, if you will. That's probably the pitch. That was probably the pitch. There's so many questions I I, I have too. Ricky like, Scott Steiner brothers with Sting, then we gonna get the big aunt, the Spanish Andre the Giant over here, the El Gigante, if you will. And then on the other side we gonna have Cactus Jack and Abdullah the Butcher Invader, and we need another guy that knows how to work, so I'm gonna give the diamond stud an opportunity. DDP, you're not allowed to be a ringside. Oh, there we go. Why would why was Mick Foley the one that uh, that pulled the lever? Look at this. Look at this. Like, and there's so much dust <laughs> that every time he hits one of them, they're fucking. Look at this. And then I want you to beat up all 12 of these orderlies, headbutt cactus, and then take all these guys and punch them in the head, and then the dust from the face paint going to go flying everywhere. It's going to look like you just punched out a ghost. And then take your left titty that's hanging out over there, and you're going to slap them in the face, and then cactus, you're going to come by and do a running, and then they're going to grab you about half of your ear that hasn't been ripped off yet in Germany from Vader, and they're going to run down the ramp, and then we're going to go back to Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, and they're going to be like, what the fuck is going on over here at the wheel? That's pretty much how it all went down, if you think about it. But, Dave, why was Mick Foley the one that hits the lover? You think it would have been staying or... Because they just described it. JR just said that they they tried to make it look like that Foley couldn't see Rick Steiner suplex Abdullah into the chair because originally Rick Rick Steiner was... I know, and it took like 12 minutes for Rick Steiner (laughs) to strap his big ass in there and then he was sitting on the fucking helmet of the thing and then he had to put it on and it wasn't even touching his head. Oh, man, speaking of helmet head. Yeah. <laughs> Missy Hyatt over here with Eric Bischoff. Yeah. Holy cow. She was a babe, though. Back in the day, she was a babe, yeah. I, let me tell you something. When she, when I was young, yeah, she was, you know, she was, she was a hot chick on TV. Her, Miss Elizabeth, Medusa, Sensational Sherry, the whole nine yards. As we see the young pistols here. Tracy Smothers and yeah, Tracy uh, Smothers. and and I think that's Steve Armstrong. I have no idea but, who um, that is. A number of years, yeah, that's Steve Armstrong. Um, to your left, he's uh, part of the Armstrong family. Tracy Smothers is he in the uh, Hall of Fame? No, he's not. He's got to be sooner or later, don't you think? Nah, I mean I don't know. He's not a bad worker, but like I mean, he wrestled for like a million years. Yeah. He's been battling. He's been battling cancer. It really. Yeah, he's been having some issues with his health in the last few. There was a GoFundMe account set up to help pay for his his cancer treatments. Um, he. Um, did you ever hear a story about him and JBL at the one night stand? Um, I know that the Blue Meanie guy. Blue Meanie got his ass kicked, but yeah. fucking Smothers was going after. Smothers was trying to fight JBL, and he called him out on social media a few times. Um, um, yeah, there yeah, was. He, and and then I wouldn't think that Jesse Smothers and the Blue Minis would be friends. 
Well, I mean, ECW, they, they, all those yeah. guys stuck together. And what the fuck is this? What is this here? Who are these two dildos? The <laughs> creatures. You can't tell me that they don't look like they have watermelons on their head. Oh, my goodness. With, like, the, the snake skin. With, who are these two clowns? Let me, let me look this up here. They look like two enhancement guys wearing masks. So, the creatures. Well, I guess we had to go with the Halloween theme. Because, yep. God forbid... God forbid. And this is Dusty again? Oh, it's got to be. Uh, all right, so here, what are we going to do? All right, we're going to have you two wear masks because nobody's going to know who the fuck you are without them. So you're going to put the mask on. We're going to call you the creatures, if you will. And then you're going to get in the ring and you're going to wrestle a fat guy who thinks he can rap. PN News, yo, baby, yo. And then you're going to wrestle. And his tag team partner is going to be a lumberjack named Big Josh, but we're going to call him Doink the Clown one day. He's going to be a doink. And he's going to have a great career in the WWF, but he's going to come out in jean shorts and an axe handle with no axe and then PN News all you got to do is just wave your arm around and go yo baby yo yo baby yo that's right baby you just got to rap and then you're going to sit your fat ass on these creatures and it's going to be the end of the match and Big Josh you're just going to stand there and wave to the crowd like nobody gives a shit I'm assuming uh, I'm going to be listening to this yeah yeah alright let's let's play this bullshit Yo baby, yo baby, yo! What's up? That's right, baby. Yo, baby. Yo, baby. Yo. That's all you gotta do. And then the crowd, they gonna go crazy because they gonna like your fat ass, if you will. They, so, they, they, they sympathize with fat people. That's why I made so much money because I was a big blubbering fat ass. She's the rap contest winner. What did she win? Christine Valver. I mean, she got a meet and greet with the... Uh, with PN News. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow, she looks less than thrilled to be there. <laughs> she really Jesus does. Christ. I'm assuming Big Josh is supposed to be a Hacksaw Jim Duggan ripoff, yeah? Um, I don't know. Well, he's a lumberjack. So, Duggan wasn't a lumberjack. Duggan was just a... Guy with a two by four. Yeah, I don't know. I that was my impression. Yeah, no, no. I can see why you would feel that way. I yeah. mean, but the, the the slight difference is, is that Josh was a, a lumberjack. But ironically enough, it's funny that you say that. Now that you know, we talked about it a lot on last week's show. Big Josh, yeah, Matt yeah. Bourne, Doink yeah, the Clown. Doink, yeah. You know, Matt Bourne used to be in the Rat Pack with DiBiase and Duggan in Mid South. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. All that black soot is like all over their bodies. There must be some sort of substance that's on the ring canvas that they haven't cleaned up. Because even either that or Big Josh didn't shave his back. Check it out. I think you might be right, yeah. Oh, that's right, baby. P.N. <laughs> News. Yo, baby, yo. I just remember when I was a kid, when I did see P.N. News, that like I just figured like it was like... You know, he was a rap character because hip-hop was becoming more prevalent in our yeah. culture. So they tried to stick with the times. Down Tattoo was a damn good drop that kick. That was a damn good drop <laughs> kick. That was better than some of the drop kicks of guys that weigh 300 pounds less than yeah. this fucking idiot. Holy cow. Did you know, Dennis, that PN News was once a part of ECW? Well, what, what's this character? Oh, who he was, was he? part of that group, the Baldies, for like a brief moment. Remember the Baldies with like Angel and Tony DeVito? Yeah, a Towards little the bit. End. Yeah. Yeah, he was part of that group. He was like their muscle. Okay. Yeah. 
Damn, that was a long time ago. You want to see some shitty wrestling? And we're going to probably watch it next year. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you we're going to watch it next year. And All it's right. gimmick matches galore. It, 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 it took place months before this show here that we're watching. Great American Bash 1991. I just watched it recently. Yeah. Because it was like the... the the anniversary. I, I think like WWE Network's Facebook account like posted a picture or something, and I was like, I gotta check this out. It is like crap, tastic wrestling. It's so. <laughs> listen to this lineup. Okay. Stunning Steve Austin and yep. Terry Taylor taking on the team of Ratmaster PN News and Beautiful Bobby Eaton in a scaffold match. A scaffold match right off the bat. Right off the bat. Then you have um, the Diamond Stud taking on Tom Zink. Okay. Um, Zink's the Z-Man, right? Yeah. Okay. The Freebirds taking on the Young Pistols and Dustin Rhodes, which wasn't a bad match. It was a six-man tag team elimination match. Um, Rick Steiner and Missy Hyatt against Arn Anderson and Paulie Dangerously inside of a steel cage. Okay. Sting versus Nikita Koloff in a Russian chain match. Ellie Gante versus One Man Gang in a Come As You Are street fight. What's a Come As You Are street fight? I don't know. Or no, it was in a Lights Out Anything Goes street fight or something. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it was Come As You Are. I forget. Come As You Are meaning like you don't wear your, your, your wrestling gimmicks. You wear your street clothes. Uh, That's okay. what they mean gotcha, by Come gotcha, As You gotcha. Are. Um, What was the other match? Oh, this is a great one. Um... Richard Morton versus Robert Gibson. Okay. Um, or was it on that card, or is it on this card? I could be mistaken. It might be on. No, it's on. It's it was on that card. Um, Lex Luger versus Barry Windham for the vacated WCW World Heavyweight Title inside of a steel cage. Um, damn, I'm gonna go back and look at this lineup here. There's, there was one match that I remember. I was like, oh my god, this is fucking terrible. Yeah, this whole show was... Um, Ron Simmons Wrestling Oz. Um, Johnny B. Bad taking on the Yellow Dog. Who's the Yellow Dog? You know who the Yellow Dog was? <laughs> this is terrible. And this is awful that they even decided that this was a, a good idea. Yeah. Brian Pillman All right. was the fucking yellow dog. Okay. Um, Big Josh wrestled Black Blood in a lumberjack match. Um, yeah, this was a fucking shitty pay-per-view. Great American Bash 1991. You and I are going to watch that Those shit. Those gimmick after gimmick. And it was right after um, Ric Flair left to go to WWF, and he took the belt with him. Yeah, it was it was horrible. Is this match over? Nope. Not yet. He made this a hot tag. That's got to be it. Jesus, that better be the finish. One, two, three. <laughs> he jumps on him. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Thank God that was over. Yeah, so you and I, are, yeah, we're going to watch that shit. That was, I watched it recently, and I was like, oh, my God. This is fucking awful. It might be the worst pay-per-view ever. That lady in the background's reaction is pretty funny. Yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Earthquake splash by Big Josh here. And then we get a real earthquake splash by... That's right, baby. You're going to climb your fat ass up off the top rope and you're going to land on this creature, this watermelon head creature, if you will. 
because we don't know what to call them. So we're going to call them the creatures because it's Halloween havoc. Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone back on uh, back on camera here. I don't know how. I don't know how these two can call half of this shit with a straight face. I mean... Professionalism, I guess. That, uh, well, you cut me a check. I could probably fake it till I make it. I mean, yeah. That's... I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, the creatures, you know? Come on. I mean, I, I can only imagine... Well, the, the rap, the fat rapping guy might get me. Well, yeah. I mean, back in the day, like, that was, you know, acceptable here. Um... Looks like they're making a set change. Are they? I hope they change the tombstones. No, No, they're still there. Beautiful Bobby Eaton. One half of the former Midnight Express. This was during um, a period of time where uh, Eaton uh, was kind of in limbo. No no longer a member of the Midnight Express. He had a little bit of single stuff going on. Because um, the guys left, didn't they? Yeah. Cornette was gone. Stan Lane was no longer with the promotion. I think Dennis Condry had retired by then. Um, and here we have Terrence Taylor. Her gimmick is that uh, there's a computer, right? Yeah, this was like the wall. Like this was like their version of like the Wolf of Wall Street. Like the you remember that Michael Douglas movie? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, they were kind of playing off of that here. Um, the wrestler of the 90s. You know who that is? Wait, that's um, the Red Rooster. No, I, well, we know who he he is. I'm talking about her. Oh. The female. Yeah, of course. It's Goldos. Uh, um, so. Yeah, Marlena. Uh, yeah. Terry Runnels. Who originally um, worked as, um, as, a, as, a, as a makeup artist. She was in the makeup department. You know, uh, getting uh, all the announcers and the TV people um, ready to go. I think she worked for Turner. And was tasked to uh uh you know help with the uh the makeup for the 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 announcers and that's how she got into wrestling and that's how she eventually would meet she had dated brian pillman and then eventually she dated uh dustin but yeah this was the whole thing with the laptop here and they would use that as like i thought this was pretty funny actually this wasn't terrible i wasn't (laughs) they had the computer for (laughs) <laughs> what did I do next? I didn't mind it. I mean, it was, you know. And didn't they use the, the computer for most of the finish, too, right? They just the Sometimes they'd, like, yeah, it was like the same thing like like how Paulie used to have the telephone, you know? They would yeah. use the computer to smash over someone's head. I think it would be funny if the computer said that, use me as weapons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You remember when... Uh, they used to have the, the, the anonymous general manager of Monday Night Raw, and yeah. it would be run by a computer. That could have been awesome. That really could have been. Yeah, that was... Yeah, they, 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 they blew it there. They blew it there, that's for sure. Yeah, Hornswoggle. Yeah, Hornswoggle. That was, that was done so that, like, uh, they could just kind of, like, wrap that angle up. Yeah. You're good. Don't worry. That microphone's... These mics have taken a few beatings, so don't worry. You didn't you didn't hit it too hard. Trust me. But yeah, that uh, I thought that had so much potential, and they blew it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought that I, I thought the way that they presented it and 
it you know the mystery behind it yeah the, the, you're right I'm with you there and then the wrestler never I can't think of other other than uh, yeah the GM and this gimmick did there's never been really a technology in, in the wrestling storylines, have there? Not really. Not that I can recall. Um, Don't you think, especially nowadays, you think that would be something that, like, you know, like, uh, at least, like, um, what do they call it? Uh, what, what do they call it with the sports and, and like, the numbers and stuff like that? Um, I can't believe it. Stats? Like, statistics? That's uh, more in depth. Um like the, uh, oh, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, um, but uh, kind of sounds like calisthenics, but that uh, I'm trying to think. Anyway, if they had like something like that. I, I think that would work. Statistics? Yeah, having like a, I'm trying to think. What, <laughs> I can't. There's another name. I'm so bad at myself. Yeah, when when you get really really go into the numbers. Um, uh, um. I can't believe it. I can't think of it. I don't know what you're talking about, pal. I can't. Anyway, I I think that could work. Uh, Now you're going to look it up? Yeah. It's bothering you? It really is pissing me off. You're going to look it up? Okay. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, I believe... Obviously, Bobby Eaton's a baby face here. So he's not a part of the Dangerous Alliance just yet. They hadn't... I mean, they kind of formed it, but not really. Like, not officially yet. I don't think they had formed it till months later. But... Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor's got a reputation for... There's two things he's known for. Excuse me. Um, in wrestling. One, being the Red Rooster. And two, uh, being a stooge behind the scenes. Analytics. Analytics. Yeah. Okay. All right. Same thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Used... The guy got looks like, I do the wrestling analytics. I'm the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. I think that could work. Well, in AEW, I, I know you don't watch much of it. But there are some good things that I think you might see if you watch closely. Like, for instance, Arn Anderson as the head coach for Cody and the Nightmare family. Okay. You know, he comes out with like like a laminated like sheet. It's almost like a stat sheet or, or of notes similar to... Like plays that like a football coach would. Call. I would like that. Okay, and he'll put it up to his face so that like it, the opponent of Cody's doesn't read what Arn is saying or even the referee. And I thought I, I just little touches like that I think help um, add more credibility to the presentation. I totally agree with that. I would really like that. Like he came out with like a piece of paper once, and then like it evolved, and then it turned into like. Um, a um, it turned it turned into like a um, uh, you know, like a, a like a laminated sheet that had like different um numbers and shit like that. Like I said, like like a football, like yeah, almost like cool, yeah. patterns and plays, like yeah, football play coaches. With, yeah, yeah. And then I think it like it's transformed now to like I want to say like almost like 
like a folder with like Cody's logo on it, and you could just like open it up like a portfolio, sort of. Okay. Um, but yeah, adding that like sports element to the presentation, I've always been a big fan of it. I know that like, you know, wrestling fans, as much as they say they want it, like want more athletic presentation to their Here to their go. wrestling. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, let's check it out. Is this the, the Alabama Jam leg drop or the knee drop? Oh, it is the knee drop. Oh, wow. Nice bump. And I used to that's what I used to love about WCW two when I was younger. The ramp. That yeah, would the connect all the way cool, to the yeah. ring. People look at that and say, like, oh, that's a distraction. I used to love it. I thought it was so cool because then you could do stuff on the ramp like that. Yeah. Or you could just be Abdullah the Butcher and kick the guy in the fucking head that's carrying the ramp. <laughs> it was pretty to... funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was pissed. That match, oh, man. Yeah, that was that was quite the stinker. We probably could have ended this podcast after that match. Yeah. I mean, if we really wanted to. But... I figure we are the, 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 the listening audience, as you'd like to say, of kicking out of two would want to hear our running commentary on the fucking Red Rooster. I was thought it And Bobby Eaton. Beautiful yep. Bobby Eaton. Yep. That, uh. That, um. I've recently uh, listened to radio and some guy, some guy was like, thank you for all the viewers. I'm like, wait, what? What? <laughs> So, so, so that's what got me consciously this this thing in my head, the listening audience. I like that. No, it's <laughs> you're, you're you're very detailed when it comes to that. I'm I'm all about it, dude. You don't gotta get. It, I just like, thought it was funny. It was it was a live DJ. And then he goes, "Thank you, viewers. I'll see you next week." And I'm like, "Wait, what did you just say?" Right, but here going, we go. Yep. It's the computer. Going to the computer. Oh, I want to look at it. Yep. It probably says nothing, but still. No, of course. I want to, I wanted to see it. It's a gimmick. Well, you at least you could turn on the computer. That's a laptop we got to think, right? Yeah, yeah. For It was first of its kind at that time. It's 1991. So you could turn it on and you yeah. could see stuff. You know what I mean? It's a pretty heavy... I thought it was a briefcase at first when she came out because it looked so big. But... You ever see those first cell phones though, man? Those things are bricks. Yeah, and then you have to like carry like a like a bag with it too. Exactly, yeah. Like a case like that, yeah. Yeah. You you look like you're like um I never saw those phones. I saw the phones with like the, the Zach Morris phone, you know, like the Oh yeah, Zach Morris phone. The, those phones, like I saw those. Yeah. Those were like the first like cell phone that I was privy to. But I heard that even before that there was like the phone in the bag. Yeah, phone in the bag, yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. And car phones too. This car phones essentially was cell phone. Yep. That's pretty much like the precursor to like, yeah, like cell phones, like you said. Yeah. You ever thought of that? It was Ooh, a nice bump. Gunt wrench, sit out power bomb. The computer said that to do that? Nice job, computer. Yeah. That computer is quite smart if it told Terry so. Taylor to do that. Yeah. I'm sorry, Terrence Taylor. He was, he, he was Terrence Taylor. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. The York Foundation. They changed everyone's names. Oh, the Red Rooster. Who do you think thought of the Red Rooster? Um, I heard that that was a... Someone actually has a York, York Foundation. <laughs> Good for them. Um, 
That's gotta be a plant, don't you think? You know, there's no way he does a fan. I know, go on the place now. But there's no way a fan brought a sign that says York Rules, right? I don't know, maybe. I mean, if they, let's put it this way. If it was a plant, that sign would have been in the front row or in the, in the you know, in the middle. That's a good point. They're all the way jacked up in the fucking cheap seats in the Bob Euchre section. But anyway, you gotta tell us about the Red Rooster. So, from what I understand... The rumor was, was they thought about doing the Mr. Perfect character for Terry Taylor. Not calling him Mr. Perfect, but like the context of the character, you know, being great at everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, they... It was talked about, but I don't think they went any further with it because right around the same time was when they brought in Kurt Henning and they came up with all the ideas. What are you good at? Oh, I can fish. I can play basketball. I can play football. I can shoot darts, etc. The whole nine. You know, he's like, you know, well, what's your best sport? Well, I'm good at all sports. And then it turned into like, you know, oh, well, Jesus, do everything. You must be Mr. Perfect. And then that's where it stuck. But um, I guess... The, I don't know if it was Vince and Bruce that came up with the idea. It might have been Vince, but they called Terry Taylor the Red Rooster because of the way that he walked around, like backstage. That like he just had this like cocky walk and this strut about him, and they thought like, well, he's walking like he's the cock of the walk. <laughs> cock of the walk. And. They were like, oh, he's the cocky red, you know, and then they, I get, I guess it transformed and evolved into red rooster. And then they had him do a little mohawk and paint his hair and yeah. And then they were off. Oh God. Yeah. I Imagine know. here's this poor guy. He wants to be an up and coming wrestler. Takes, takes you aside and like, and like Dave Rosenblum, we're going to have you be the red rooster. See you later. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. See you later. I mean, they they look sometimes the, the narrative I've heard about stuff like that is that they would present guys with these gimmicks, and it was like a litmus test. It was either how well can you make this your own, yeah, and what kind of reaction you have to this, you know, the, the, this announcement per se. One, two. Ooh, kick out. It's a pretty competitive match between yeah. these two. Yeah, I figured. Um, Taylor's going over. I would think so. Um, but then um, there was... There's the other school of thought that, you know, depending on the individual and the situation, they want to see how you would react to it, you know, and, and, and they almost... They, they would want to see how you react to it and see if you would, like propose a different idea if you'd be against it so for instance you know let's say vince went to terry taylor and said god damn pal you know you're gonna be the red rooster we're gonna paint your hair and give you a mohawk and you're gonna cock a doodle do all day long <laughs> and you know what do you think about that and depending on vince's mood it could be taylor responding back and saying you know what vince that's not a bad idea but what if we did this instead and if Vince is in that kind of frame of mind, it's like it was a test to see if, like, Taylor realized it was a stupid idea. Or, on the other hand, it's, 
Hey, pal. We're thinking about making you the red rooster. You're going to be the cock of the walk, and you're going to go cock-a-doodle-doo, <laughs> goddammit. And you're going to do it every single time. And when you feed for a comeback, you're going to... <laughs> oh, do man. all that other stuff. He did what that, didn't he? What do you think, Terry? Oh, and man. then Terry could be like, Vince, I'll be the best cock-a-doodle-doo that you will ever have. And Vince could be like, that's great. And then if they make... And if he makes the character, yep. and it becomes a big thing... Then Vince could be like, well, it was a great idea. So it all depends on the mood that Vince is in, at least in my opinion. That's how I feel. If you turn it down and come up with something better, Vince will fucking, you know, that, that that's part of the test. Or if you embrace it and make it into your own and it becomes successful, then that's also part of the test. So either way, you're fucked yeah. if you think about it. <laughs> I gotta say, you knocked that cockadoodle out of the park, by the way. Goddamn, pal. You're gonna cockadoodle do. When someone gives you the hot tag, you go... It's pretty good. But he didn't make it successful, and he didn't last very long. I guess people say it's the worst thing that ever he ever did in his career. It ruined his career. But I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, it's not like he was. He didn't contribute anything to wrestling. He worked behind the scenes for a number of years in the creative department for both WWF and WCW. He bounced back and forth between both companies. He currently works for WWE now. He's, he was, I think he's a coach down at the Performance Center. Okay. Even though the Performance Center is currently being used um, to tape television. Um, yeah, he was a Triple H hire because I think Triple H, I think he helped Triple H a lot early in his career. Um, and so Triple H hired Terry Taylor to work for him down in uh, Florida. I think he's part of NXT and does some of that stuff down there. I bet there. you a lot of people who, uh, who helped Triple H in the beginning is really counting their blessings. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Terry Taylor is one of them. Um, Shawn Michaels has a big role down in NXT. Mm-hmm. is one of the main coaches at the Performance Center. Road Dog, same thing. Um, I bet you it's on the opposite side of the spectrum, too. A lot of the Vince guys are like, oh, God, we're screwed when Triple H finally takes over. I think there is that that, that struggle between, like, the, the old guard that, you know, like very the first guy. Vince, and then there is, like, you know, Hunter and his crew of guys that are trying to evolve with it. And I think there is that struggle. I don't, I'm not saying that there's, like, a war, but I'm sure that there's, like, an internal struggle as to, you know. Might be the finish. Alabama Jam yeah, right there. Nice leg drop. Bobby Eaton with the best top rope leg drop in the business. I'm stunned. I and the victory. Wow. I thought Taylor was going to go over for Same sure. here. Yeah. Same here. I've never seen this before, so I, I didn't I didn't know the results. But yeah. That was the match of the day so far. Yep. I would have to agree with you. Yeah. I would have to agree with you. Look at that. Bobby Eaton. One of the most underrated performers, in-ring workers of all time. Like totally he's, agree. I honestly, I've, I've had conversations about this before. I think I even mentioned it on this show once. See, look at that leg drop. Perfect. Perfect leg drop. And heart, he hardly touched him, but it looked like he fucking sat on his face. You yeah. know what I mean? It's great. Great selling by Taylor. Um, I feel like Bobby Eaton could have been a good four horseman. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. Like he would have been like he was a great tag team partner to Arn Anderson. I love the tag. You ever you want to watch some good tag team wrestling, man? You watch Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson against the Steiner brothers from 1992. You're gonna find some good stuff with them. Mm. You really are. The crowd crowd looks like they're getting into it. I wonder who's um 
Who's making their way out? Looks like a, looks like a tomahawk chop here, so it might be a Ron Simmons thing. Might be Ron. Oh yeah, yeah, Florida State. The yeah. Florida State, the tomahawk chop. Yeah. But no, but Simmons is in the main event, so maybe he came out and waved to him. Yeah, who knows? Like get this crowd up. Yeah. No, it's the Freebirds. Okay. It's uh, Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin. And it uh, looks like P.S. Is, um, is injured here. Or maybe they're playing the injury. Oh, oh it's, it's the Braves. They're wearing the Atlanta Braves. Halloween yeah. Havoc. They dress up like a... Oh, okay. All right. So this, this is probably during the World Series. This is October 27th, 1991. So either the World Series has just taken place or... or, or or it's still going on. It, it, it did go. It went seven games. Who they? So it was Atlanta and, yeah, and, and the Minnesota. Twins, yeah, the Twins won in seven games. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah, Jack Morris uh, pitched ten. Can you imagine ten? He pitched ten innings and in a one nothing win. Oh wow! Let me look at the date on that. Oh, Johnny B. Bad. Johnny B. Bad. Here comes Johnny B. Bad. This was a good gimmick. I didn't mind it. I thought it was silly in the beginning. Like, you know, this here. I mean, he plays it perfect. He looks like literal fucking Richard. Oh, he does. Absolutely. And, yeah, he he wasn't bad. I mean, no pun intended. But yeah. He was a good wrestler. And people got into his matches. Like, think about it. You go back and you watch some of the mid-90s, early to mid-90s WCW stuff. Like, 94, 93, 94, 95 even. Johnny B. Bad was in a lot of those opening matches because he was a good performer. He was one of those guys that was like, well, we need a good match to start the show off. Let's put Johnny B. Bad out there yeah, first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um... I think no way world champions. No, type, definitely but, not. But mid card for sure. Oh yeah, I mean he had a run with the the TV title for yeah. a little bit and did some decent stuff. I mean it may seem silly, but you know what? Like he was popular. People dug him. He, he got reactions when he went out there. Like people were like, "Oh, that's so stupid." And yeah. yeah, maybe so, but like it was. I, I like this gimmick. I really did. I guess apparently that's what. The, WWF thought they're they're gonna get the Johnny B. Bad gimmick. And yeah, not so much. Yeah, they, instead they got you know. Yeah, Mark they, Marrow. They, they, the Wild Man, Mark Ooh. Marrow. Yeah, I know. And I was. This might be an unpopular opinion, but I never found Sable to be attractive or whatever. And people are like, well, at least we got Sable out of the deal. And it's like, I could have done without. She was okay. So when it comes to Sable. My opinion, yes, she was a good-looking woman. That's the end. I don't think so at all. Okay, she, she had a, she had a, a rocking body on her. She was like a milf, I guess you could say. I guess, right? yeah. But I preferred Sunny over Sable. Absolutely. There was just something about Sunny that like made, made me into her more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Sunny was a natural beauty. Yeah. Like, she was, like, the next-door neighbor, you know? Yeah. Like, Sunny was so fake. I mean, uh, Sable was so fucking fake. So, I, think, I think that was the downfall of Sunny, that she she wasn't fake, actually. It looks like, um, if I'm not mistaken, let me, let me take a look here. Um, the last game, Game 7 of the World Series, aired... The same night that this pay-per-view aired. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they were going head-to-head with their own competition. So so this was... Uh, where does that? This is Chattanooga, right? So this is Chattanooga. Okay. So Game 7 took place in Minnesota. 
at the at the Metrodome, and the Twins won one to nothing over the Braves to win. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I just remember. Um, yeah, it was a Sunday. I remember the Vikings, and I don't know. I can't remember. It's ninety-one, so I can't. I don't. I can't remember if the Vikings played, but um, they showed the Kirby Puckett home run in Game Six, and they're like, "Well, this place, let's hope this place goes rocking like Kirby Puckett hit the home run last night." So, but then. Uh, yeah, that was a couple good. That was not a, good, a couple good nights for the Braves. The, no, <laughs> yeah, they Certainly lost in extra innings back to back nights. Yeah, that's what the the stats here show. So this should be a good match, Garvin versus. Uh, Did you know that uh, at one point Jimmy Garvin um, had the briefest of brief runs with the WWF in 1992? I didn't know that. I didn't know this either until, um, what was it? I know uh, his brother. WWE Network put out a, um, they uh, released some footage in their Hidden gem section. Yeah. And there was like some dark matches that took place at a TV taping in the fall of 92 heading into Survivor Series. One of them was Ultimate Warrior versus Nails. And then there was another one. I think it was like Macho Man versus Razor Ramon. There were uh-huh. like dark matches that were that that um, there was no commentary on them, and then you could even see like the um, the tracking of the the, the, the timestamp on the bottom of the of the of the video. And then there was a video that showed Mean Gene Okerlund introducing Jimmy Garvin to the podium for an interview, and he came out like same hairstyle, same look, but in like a, a nice suit. And basically, it was, what are you doing here? And, you know, I'm here to, you know, World Wrestling, I'm here to, you know, make my name in the World Wrestling Federation, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm here to, you know, take on the Razor Ramones and the Macho Mans and et cetera, et cetera. And it was funny. He appeared at that television taping and then he appeared at another TV taping like the next night or a couple nights later. And then they never agreed to a deal and he just decided that he wasn't going to work for the WWF and then that was the end of it and then okay. I think he went back to WCW or no I think he was a full time um, pilot because he's got his pilot license he used to fly planes Jim Garvin um, yeah he got a pilot's license I think like toward, I guess he, towards the end of his wrestling career yeah. so that he could have something to fall back on um and I, I remember, I think he appeared on some WCW shows in like 93 and 94, like little one-offs with Michael Hayes, but it wasn't anything, um, you know, su- you know, super important that he was a part of, but I always liked him and, and Michael as a team. Obviously people like the yeah, original, Freebirds, yeah. original Freebirds with Michael and Doc and, yeah. and, uh, or no, Michael and Gordy and, uh, Buddy Jack, but... I did not mind Jimmy Garvin. I thought he was a. Uh, I thought he fit well, and him and Michael looked good together as a team. And um, and even the funny thing too is that like knowing this years later from watching older footage, but in Dallas at in World Class, um, you know the Freebirds would team with Garvin. Garvin was a singles wrestler with Precious, and the Freebirds would team with Garvin to take on the Von Erichs. Um, but Garvin was never really acknowledged as a freebird. He was just like their friend. 
Okay. You know? And then, sense. ironically enough, they put Garvin with... Um, or Garvin was put with Michael Hayes. I want to say... I want to say when they were in UWF, maybe? Not the not the Herb Abrams UWF. Yeah. The Bill Watts' UWF. And maybe sometime in early WCW, like 89... 90 yeah one of those but it looks like Johnny B. Bad is the heel in this scenario here I was, and it has to be that, that uh ooh that's over like the aneurysms per se yeah the manner yeah he's, he's yeah like he he powdered out like a heel did and Teddy Long tried to um console him yeah well, they're also too, they're, they're also wearing Braves gear, and everyone was doing the tomahawk chop. And yeah, Tennessee's not far. Tennessee's point. not far from Georgia. So. And then I look at Mike Lays, yeah. And he's all decked out, Atlanta Braves gear, Game Seven. And I'm not sure what the injury's all about. Oh, you know, distracting him. Johnny B. Bad uses the towel to distract Garvin. Yeah, I was, I, I really liked his brother more, but I was like the Ron Garvin. Yeah, that uh, that that whole like you know I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. It's, I just love the stomp, we the just, Garvin stomp. Oh, was so good. And uh, then uh, the same. Oh, that was a little spotty. Yeah, but I don't get to why would you? He's a heel. Why would you do? Why would you do a flying? I mean, that potentially could have been beautiful, but why would a heel do a a top rope sunset flip? You know. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, you make a good point. That's a babyface kind of move. Um, I mean, that's something that anyone nowadays you see do you know what i mean doesn't matter whether you're a heel or a baby face um that's something that you see all the time yeah i guess i wouldn't i wouldn't think brave riot does a sunset flip well no i'm not saying everyone but like it doesn't it's it's not a move that like you differentiate between heels and baby faces anymore sadly i think you're right you know what i mean it's 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 not it's not anything like that yeah It's a pretty good match. That, that, uh... No, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad, I will say. But granted, in this pay-per-view, not bad is, like, great. Not bad is, like, a classic. Oh, he got... Oh, jeez. He's spinning... He's literally spinning up blood. Yeah. Did he get hit in the mouth? I don't know. I even say... It's even in Garvin. He's not doing... He's legitimately not doing good. I think he got a little brush up right in the, uh, right in the chops. Yeah. From Garvin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oof, that was ugly. Yeah, I looked at all that. Uh, I didn't see anything like where, where, was, where they got. I don't know. I, I'm just curious to know where he, where he got busted up. Oh. 
You would think that could bust you up right yeah. there, that little collision they got going on. I never like head-to-head. That, uh, yeah? I try to think that Japanese wrestler, but uh, recently, like a couple of years ago, did, did a headbutt, and by the time the mat, when the match was over, he goes back and back back to the uh, locker room and he collapses. <laughs> but uh, I never liked head Nice head. DDT by Garvin. Yeah. Referee's distracted. Hayes is running around getting the crowd all pumped up. Oh, here we go. That's the, I think that's the finish. Yeah, probably loaded fist. No, left hand. But he was a boxer. One, no, no. two. Oh, he can't. That, uh... That, um... Oh, now Hayes' arm is fine. Look at it. He just had a sling on. Yeah, right, yeah. The fuck? Did you forget to sell the... I guess the finish was... What uh, the fuck? You see that? Yeah, I don't get it. He wore a sling the whole time. <laughs> well, that's stupid. But I never got... So, 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 so now the ref... Like, so now the ref is going to be like, well, why well, kind of one, two, three? But sometimes, every now and again, a ref will ask the audience, did he cheat? And then I'm like, yeah. And then the ref would be like, ah, no, no, no. The match continues or you're disqualified, you know? Yeah. It's funny how, like, the referee picks and chooses when to ask the audience about, yeah. you know, who cheats and who, who doesn't. You know what I mean? When the heel, at certain points, if a heel cheats, they'll go to the audience and be like, oh, oh, this person, oh, that kid said it too? Oh, they saw it too? Okay, all right, here, guess what? You're out of here. You've been ejected, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, in situations like that, they don't go to the audience for the instant replay. But, I mean, you know, I get it. It's wrestling, you know. Look at that. Looks like Tony Schiavone is checked out. Oh, yeah. He's like, why the fuck am I here? What did I do to deserve this? Oh, that's right. I I re-signed a deal last year to stay with WCW instead of going to the WWF. Oh, what's this here? I see Hyatt and beautiful Bobby. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's take a listen to this. I know you know where he's at. Tell me, I want to be your first. Please. Hey, Miss, I'm going to celebrate. I just want a match. So she's trying to get a scoop. I wonder what she's it trying was. to get the scoop. I think it's on the Phantom, but it's funny that Bobby uh, Eaton is carrying around a pumpkin with him, and he's trying to go celebrate. What are you gonna do with that pumpkin? I don't know. Stunning Steve Austin, yeah. world television champion, with his then wife Lady Blossom, the individual who created the Stone Cold character, or she created the name. Is that right? You ever you've never heard that story? I vaguely where 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 the he's just trying to come about. up with names and you know he's Vince and the the marketing department send him a bunch of different names to use you know as as a character you know Ice Dagger Fang McFrost etc cetera, etc cetera, yeah. all these stupid names and he's like you know and he just watched like an HBO special on um, Richard Kuklinski that famed serial killer. Um, and he wants like to kind of pattern his character after him, etc. And uh, here we go, Dustin Rhodes, the Natural. Yeah. Well, they call him the Natural. Natural as can be. Is that where it seems from? I think That's so. It might good. be this here. Let's play it. Nope, they don't. 
But, uh, sweet, sweet jacket. Um, yeah, it is a nice jacket. Um, but, um... Yeah, you think he would have... So the wife made him tea. And she said, you know, don't worry, you'll, 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 you'll find something. You'll, you, you'll get something. Things will work out for you. Drink your tea before it gets stone cold. And she, he looks at her and he goes, that's it. He goes, stone cold Steve Austin. And as they say, the rest is history. Yeah. So that's kind of funny. His, his name, if it wasn't for T, he would never have got his name. Yeah. If it wasn't for her, may, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong about this, but I think when he got divorced from her, there was something included in their divorce agreement about her getting some kind of royalties because of the name, because they doc like. They've documented that she came, that she came up with the name, and this is reaching. Even though she said it, but that it was over tea. It wasn't like oh yeah, honey. It was, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like she was like no, honey, I got an idea. Yeah, yeah. It was. It just kind of rolled off the tongue, and then he was like, "That's it." But yeah, I've heard. I think that she had she had gotten some kind of settlement when they got divorced. Because they were married for a long time. They have two kids together. Yeah. Um, and she lives back in England with her... I don't know. I think her kids are grown up now. Um, but... Uh, That'd be kind of cool having your dad being stole cold, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's a blast. Um, but I just remember reading in Austin's book how... Um, the divorce, like, he never got to see the kids. He wrestled a lot and... Um, then they move back to England, and he doesn't really get to see his kids. I don't know what it's like now, but um, you know he, uh, you know he, he. How about Deborah? Did, did them two ever have kids? Nope. Okay. I don't think they speak to each other either. No. Nope. Because of the the way that divorce kind of was ugly. He never got remarried after Deborah. Right? Um, I think he is currently married to God bless to, to 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 someone. I think so, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think he got married one more time, um, to his current wife. And I think they've been married for a while now. They don't have children together, obviously. Look at this. Who's this old codger? I don't know. Maybe Stone Cold's, uh, parents? Maybe. That could be very possible. Or grandparents. I mean, uh, uh, he's a heel, so probably was, maybe Dustin's? Maybe Dustin's? Yeah. No. I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Maybe they won a contest. <laughs> That's probably what it was. Yeah. Maybe they won a, a contest. A magazine contest winner number two. Yeah. We're going to put you on camera for four seconds. <laughs> hey, four seconds. During a match that, you know, you probably don't give a shit about. You've been to a lot of events. Have you ever made it on camera? Yeah, I've made it on camera a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What was it? Uh... I think the first time I ever really made it on camera, um, I went to a Monday Night Raw in Hartford, September of 1999, and The Rock came out and cut a promo, and um, you'll see me in like the corner of the screen with a sign, and I, I bought the elbow pads, the people's elbow pads that oh, you yeah, take off. Funny. I wish <laughs> I still had those. Um, 
and it had a tank top. And I forget what the sign said. I think I was a Triple H fan at the time, too. So right. I had Rock's elbow pads and a Rock tank top t-shirt, but Triple H's elbow, or a, tri- a Triple H sign. And uh, for the longest time, I had all of my brothers believe that I caught the Rock's elbow pad during the match where he threw the elbow pad to do the people's elbow. Yeah. And that I wore it and was on camera. And, uh, yeah, they believed it for... Quite some time. Yeah, have you told that story? I, I told I, I, I my brother um, a couple of years back on kicking out at two when we we did a watch along of a of a of a of a raw in Hartford that we went to and he said, Didn't you tell me once that you caught the Rock's elbow pad? And I said, Yep, and then mm-hmm. we told the story. Pretty much I just said I went to Raw and there I am on camera, so you see me in the corner for like a hot second and then he was like, You got the elbow pad? I was like, I bought one and I caught the other one. <laughs> when in reality I bought both of them. Yeah, so That's a funny story. Yeah, I never I knew the times I got really, really good seats and I'd never been on camera. I'm jealous of a buddy of mine for a, um, a Braves. We, we were kind of on camera at Money in the Bank at the end when Brock came out and won and stood on top of the ladder with the briefcase. I try to find us. and I, I can never find us. Yeah. I don't know. I can, I can never find us. But there have been some Raws where I got some really, really good seats. And I'm nowhere to be found. Um... I went to a SmackDown once, and I was uh, I was like third or fourth row, and I had a sign. And I was like, "Oh, I'll definitely get on TV." I'm like right in front of the camera view and everything. Well, my sign you could hardly see. It was a white, like you know, poster board, but I didn't. I wrote like billion dollar stink face because the week before Rikishi gave Stephanie McMahon the stink face. Okay, and. Um, she um so i put it up and you couldn't see it on tv you could see me holding the sign but you couldn't see the words because i didn't like thicken the letters up with like the black marker i just wrote it like anyone was supposed to see it so look you always thought it was white so there's like just this white sign me holding it up like and you could maybe if like you squinted your eyes and looked closely you could see like a little bit of like oh that's funny that's funny Um, Sorry, my wife is texting me. And how's your wife? She's doing good. She says, you must be recording. Yep. I said yes, because I didn't keep in constant contact with her. I love my wife, by the way. In case she's listening to this, like she ever will. (laughs) You'd be surprised that... uh, My brother-in-law, my wife's sister's husband, he listens every once in a while. He was... He put it on what he's a um uh supervisor for a, a, a tree service company um and i forget what the subject was but he had his crew of guys out one day and um he was like you should listen you know i think i think the subject of wrestling came up and he was like oh my brother-in-law does a wrestling podcast um and uh he played it for them and so when i was looking at the stats on my soundcloud it said the area of where, you know, I was like, who in Granby, Connecticut is listening? And I'm like, oh, that's probably my brother-in-law. 
And then he said, confirmed. He's like, yeah, I listened to it for a few. He goes, not like I, he goes, I don't know anything about the subject you're talking about, but you sound like you know what you're talking about. And all the guys, <laughs> all the guys that I work with said, you sound like, you know, they knew what you were talking about. I was, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was tooting my own horn, but I was like, oh, that's very nice. Gnarly bump, uh, Dustin just took. Yeah, that was a gnarly bump, by the way. Um, he balanced. Yeah. If you look closely at the map there, Dennis, it'll show a shot of it again. But um, if you look closely at the map, you can see the burn marks in the in the canvas. Still from the yeah from the fire, because it's like a dark blue, but like the the there's like these black clouds at the bottom of the ring canvas. When they show the 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 regular shot here again, maybe they will again. That's funny. Let's see. They show it again. Now we're gonna go back out to the floor. I kind of see it, like the. Like Dustin the gray. bleeding. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he got some color there. Bleeding like that. There you see it right there in the bottom. There you see Dustin. Oh. Yeah, he, he took quite quite the blade job there. Yes, he did. Yes, he see right there where the referee's walking in. It yeah, looks like yeah. A, like a black puddle. <laughs> That's funny. To think, as we're watching this, yeah. Could you have said in 1991 that these two guys would go on to be huge stars in the business? I mean, obviously Steve Austin was a bigger star than Dustin. Actually, right now you've probably said Dustin would have been the bigger star. But, but do you uh, think in general, like if you looked at them both in 1991, you would have been like, "Oh my God, these guys are like the future of the business." Like they're going to probably be on top. not. No. Yeah. Probably not. I used to like stunning Steve Austin in in this time period because of his ring trunks. I used to like the flashy, like you know, zany, you know. I liked him wild when, colors. I liked him in the Highwood Blondes. That yeah. That, uh, I like that tag team with him and Pillman. Oh yeah. yeah. No, they 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 did some good stuff. I enjoyed their work as a team. Absolutely. So Dustin, he that uh, he left WCW because he got fired, right? He did get fired. Yes. Yeah. It was for um. That stupid match. The, the 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 King of the Road match. The where they they fought in the truck. Yep. And um, it said no color, right? Yeah, they said no color, and the agent told them to uh, you know get color, and so they fired him. And um, I believe they fired. No, they didn't fire Barry Darcel because he didn't do the the blade job. But they fired Dustin, and then they I think they fired Mike Graham, who was the agent. Um. But then they rehired Mike Graham, and then Dustin eventually would go to the WWF. Yeah, they, they, they and he would be Gold Dust. They definitely kicked themselves for that one. Yeah, Gold Dust drew money. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean we talked about it last week. Gold Dust probably could have they could have gotten away with giving him a run for the title. Yeah, um, may not have been a long one, but they they would have gotten away with it for sure. Well, look at Austin. He's got yeah. blood on his shoulder yeah, and the side of his blood. neck. Oh. Nice right hand by Dustin. I give Dustin his credit too. Like, like he was a wrestler, man. Yep. Oh yeah. He didn't have his father's charisma, but he certainly had the the the, the skills bell to bell. Absolutely. In the ring. Yeah, I don't think they would have sold out uh, for WrestleMania nine against Hogan, but that. Uh, yeah, that's crazy, huh? That they even thought of that idea. <laughs> You want to know another crazy idea about that WrestleMania that they that that they tried to pitch to Vince, and I don't I, I don't blame them for this. 
they tried to pitch an idea of bringing in Scott Steiner as a singles wrestler and having him win the Royal Rumble to face the WWF champion at WrestleMania. I like that. That was an idea nowhere. that was pitched. I like the out of nowhere win, but like Scott. That's what Steiner? they tried. That's exactly what they were trying to to depict in that scenario was that nobody would see a tag team wrestler win the Royal Rumble, yeah, and, and go on to face the champion at, at that WrestleMania. I like the idea. I just don't like the wrestler. Yeah, and I guess the idea. I guess the 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 thought with Vince was, and yeah, she's slapping the shit out of him. Oh my god. Um... The Is thought it? with Vince was was that Scott was better off as a tag with Rick. Yeah, I guess. At that time. But that was an idea. Like I said, just like I said last week's show, they pitched the idea to Dustin to Hogan. And you know what the funny thing is? They pitched it to Vince first, and Vince was the one that said, well, see what Terry thinks. And that's when they called, Ter- that's when they called Hogan on the phone. So Vince almost went with it. But no, because Hogan, I think, but I think because when Hogan he said no... Then they were like, all right, we're not doing that. He probably said, let's, let's see what Terry thinks it's to say. Because he knew Hogan. He knew it was a like, shit idea. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they would have, how they would have done that. But that's interesting that it was even thought of. I kind of wish they, they, I wish they kind of wish that Steiner. Uh, I'm not, I hate Scott Steiner. I don't know, I don't hate, hate some stuff word, but I definitely do not like um, Scott Steiner's ring, uh, in-ring abilities. That, uh, but that being said... When he was a single star? Yeah. Pop a pump? Well, yeah. I mean, his abilities declined because of his muscle mass. And he was older. But, uh, you even one Royal Rumble that, that, that had a winner where you're like, holy fucking shit. Like you didn't, like you didn't you think know, you, you see, were winning? I, the only one you could cut... Kind of stay you didn't see coming was John Cena, but he's a huge star. I'm, what I'm trying to say is they mean that one guy where it's like he wasn't like a a huge star out of nowhere, like mid card to boom automatically main event. Um, out of nowhere, didn't see it coming. Um, um, trying to think. Damn, that's tough. There, there is none. That's tough, yeah. We could have had one. That, that, that's the only thing I wish they did. So we could at least had one. Well, remember. I wouldn't say this we, one. We had that general Mahal. I wouldn't say it was out of nowhere, but it did put them from mid-card to main event, and that's Rey Mysterio. Yeah, but... It wasn't out of nowhere, though. That's my point. And people saw it coming. That, 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 yeah, uh, exactly. They, they knew because that... Because after Eddie died, they were like, oh, they yeah. were centering his entry into the Rumble around Eddie's death, etc. Um, yeah, I don't really... <laughs> to be honest with you. And most of the Royal Rumble winners, like, we, we, we could see it 10, 10 miles away. Yeah. Or at least, like, there's a few guys that you can see coming. Like, there's no, like, it's not like a anybody's ball game sort yeah. of situation. Dustin, did you just see that? Referee no. counted for two. Dustin, Austin didn't kick out. Dustin got up. <laughs> so Austin clearly was supposed to kick out. I always find it funny. And, like, so, so you got a guy in this really good submission, right? And you just let go. I, I never get that. I never without, got that without, that, that without tapping out or r- rope break. Yeah, it, it, it just let him go. 
Yeah, that uh, that does sound pretty silly uh, by doing a submission without having like a rope break or anything like that. Um, I can't say I've seen that too often, but I uh, see it all the time in old and uh, like in the early to mid nineties, all the time. Someone would be right in the middle of the ring, got a submission, you're cranking it, and they just let him go, just stomp on his back or something, and it's stupid. It looks like the finish here. Um, I don't know. Was that a time limit draw? I'll have to go back and look at my notes here. Um, but, yeah, Austin was drop kicked out of the ring. Dustin went to go for it. And, uh, you know, referee stopped him and rang the bell. This is for the Battle Bowl at Starcade in uh, December of that year. I always dug the Battle Bowl concept. I don't know about you, but I always felt like it was... Made for some intriguing matchups, you know, having like a heel and a babyface team together that may not like each other, you know, to... It was pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was solid. Let me look up here what the finish of this was for... Because I don't know, did the referee disqualify Dustin? I, I don't know, it's... It was... He, it, I think that's what might, might have been the case, because he was punching the shit out of Austin. Um... Oh, uh, I Ended in a time limit draw. Oh, man. Oz from the Emerald City. Where's uh, where's where's Kevin Sullivan? I don't think he. I, I think they stopped doing that. Oh, uh, because that was the best part. Yeah, with the monkey. Yeah, the, the monkey on the back. Yeah. I watched uh Super Brawl, the very first one from this year in 1991. That's when Oz made his debut. Um, I watched that like a year ago, and oh, um, man, I actually did. I actually watched it on a watch along of uh, Tony Schiavone's podcast, What Happened When, and. They played the audio, and it was like stupid, silly, you know, Wizard hilarious. of Oz type stuff. But the the monkey was scared of the pyro and jumped off of Kevin Sullivan's back. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And this is even dumber. Bill Casimir, the world's strongest oh. man. You remember once we were talking on a podcast about, I thought I thought it was Ken Patera? Yep. This is, yeah, this okay. is who I'm thinking of. Yeah, Bill Casimir. Yep. This is pretty silly. Yeah, he kicks the shit out of Nash in this match. You know that Nash had a run before Oz as the Master Blaster? What was that one about? So it was a tag team. It was him and... Um, shit, I forget who else it was. I think it was um, an enhancement... Oh, fuck. I'm gonna fuck this one up. Let me... Uh, let me look it up right now. Kevin Nash. Master Blaster. Let me not use too much of my internet. For those of you that are keeping score, keeping track, uh, we had a little bit of a uh, internet um, uh, snafu here during this recording. So right now we are currently at 1 hour, 27 minutes, 42 seconds, 43, 44, 45. If any of you need to catch up, um, try to edit and retime everything as best as i can so i apologize if you're listening to this and uh watching at the same time and you know the commentary isn't running with what you're seeing on the screen there's that reason why um but i mean i don't think you would want to watch this bill casimir oz matchup but um anyhow here we go kevin nash master blaster um yeah he was a part of a tag team there pal um when he started it was his partner. I'm looking right now. Okay. Looking right now. Um, he was known as Master Blaster Steel, and he partnered with Master Blaster Iron. Um, 
so then Nash's partner, Master Blaster Iron, was replaced with Master Blaster Blade um, in September of 1990. Um, they wrestled at the um, Halloween Havoc pay-per-view on 1990, a year prior to this as a team. Um, but they never really seemed to... to uh, pander they were pretty much like this is so from the the story i've heard was the master blasters team with nash and this other guy um which i can't find the name as to who this guy was i want to say it was this enhancement talent named mo green or but i could be wrong anyhow long story short um they were created as a Road Warrior ripoff because the Road Warriors left to go to the WWF. Okay. And it just didn't work out. So then they changed him up and he became Oz. As, oh, God. It's fucking awful here. Yeah, it's pretty bad, man. Yeah. And then eventually he'd be Vinny Vegas, which was okay. Yeah. But uh, obviously his greater success would be with uh, the WWF as Diesel. Um, But, I mean, he was saddled with some terrible, terrible gimmicks in WCW. Um, Have you you ever heard the story about how he he managed to get to the WWF? No. So he was Vinny Vegas on TV, and he wasn't doing a whole lot. Jesus. Dropped him on his dome right there. My goodness. Shoulders up, ref. And... uh, he just wasn't they they weren't doing anything with him you know he was like he was he was like the bodyguard for diamond dallas page tag team partner but it just wasn't they didn't really have any serious plans with him apparently sean michaels was watching an episode of wcw saturday night with um the steiner brothers in their hotel room because the steiners were working for the wwf at the time in 93 and Shawn Michaels was like, this guy is funny. I think he could, you know, he goes, I think I could do something with him. Like, he could be like my bodyguard, etc. And Rick Steiner was like, well, I know him because I used to work with him in WCW. I can get you his number and, you know, get you in contact with him. So Michaels spoke with him. They talked. And Nash was like, well, I'd love to come, but... um, I'm currently under contract to WCW. And then apparently I think like he made contact with Vince. They talked on the phone. Vince was like, if you can get out of your deal, we'll, we'll pick you up. So he went to, I think like Ole Anderson and Barry Windham, one of the two. And he had said, you know, I I want my release. I I think I'm going to quit the business and go back to being a bouncer, et cetera, et cetera. And only Anderson gave him his release. And he said, can I get that in writing? And so he they had he was at a TV taping and they drew they drew up a um, a formal um, resignation or a release. And then Nash used (laughs) this is great. Nash used. the copying machine, the fax machine in the office at the television taping to fax over his release to J.J. Dillon, who was working in the WWF at the time, to confirm he was let go. And then literally they flew him to Stanford. They met in person. 
they came to an agreement, et cetera, et cetera, and the rest is history. He was That's the fine. Yeah. So he he lied to Ole Anderson to, to quit, then used their fax machine to fax it over to the WWF. Well, they weren't doing anything with Nash. No, they weren't. They didn't do shit with him. Yeah. And uh, clearly, judging by the finish of that last match with Bill Kazmaier as the victor, Van Hammer. Yeah. My goodness. He was in the uh, Ravens flag, right? At one point, yeah. That was the only thing he, he did that had some sort of, what the fuck is this? Why would the cameraman, like, focus What are they doing? Them? Did you see that? Oh, my God. These cameramen all need to get fired. Oh, my goodness. They're, they're, they're focusing is, on... Is that part of someone's entrance, though? Who's fan am wrestling? I have no idea. Is it, was that, like, that, I have a feeling that might be a part of his entrance. Anyhow, yeah, Van Hammer was like, I don't know what you can, you know what Van Hammer was like? Van Hammer looks like if Slash from Guns N' Roses had sex with Sid Vicious. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's who Van Hammer is. We got a jabber match. Uh, He's wrestling uh, Buddy Rose, or Doug Summers, excuse me, tag team partner of Buddy Rose. Um, Yeah. He looks like shit. Oh, yeah, he does. Doesn't look like anything that he once uh, presented himself as. And Van Hammer here, you know, great look, great body, just couldn't get the job done. Clearly. Yeah. I, I the only thing I can remember him as yeah, being the flock. Oof, this is brutal. Oh. Yeah. This is going to be bad. You blame that botch on uh, Van Hammer or. Both of them. Yeah. Timing, communicate with each other. Not that I'm an expert, but I mean, come on. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Jesus. He ragdolled him into the corner. He almost tripped and fell before he even made it to the corner. <laughs> it's just time to end it. Elbow drop by Van Hammer. Just end it right here. Leg drop by Van Hammer. Please end it. You want to? You want to disappoint yourself? You really want to disappoint yourself in life? YouTube Van Hammer music video. Oh, really? Yeah. Van Hammer? I gotta remember that. Van Hammer music video. On YouTube. It's awful. It's, yeah, it's awful. Oh, Jesus. God. He almost dropped him on his head. Oh, my God. Don't kick out. Thank you. Oh, he did kick out, but the Don't referee's call for the bell. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. He did kick out, didn't he? He kicked out, but the referee still made the three. They probably like, fuck this. We end this shit right now. Oh, man. Jesus. Nobody cares. Look at him. He's strutting around. Nobody gives a shit. Dave, why did we just watch? We watched... Well, this is... Are they going to show a replay in this? Yeah. The power slam wasn't bad. Now they show the replay of his entrance, too. That's Whee! all they could show. That was yeah. the only good thing about the match. They're not going to show. show the finish. They're not going to show the finish. And he awful. dropped him on his head. That suplex, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Maybe they will show it. Knowing WCW, they showed the lever for the electric chair was down. Yeah. No, they're not going to show it. All right. Good call. Holy cow. That was awful. Man. Oh, oh, Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman. Let's play the audio for this. The opportunity at a world title. And the reason this world title shot is extra special to me is because just a few short months ago, I wasn't even in WCW. I didn't have a chance to compete if it wasn't for the great fans. I'm dedicating my efforts tonight to my family and the great fans of WCW. I won't let them down. 
Oh, and here we go. Richard Morton. Yeah, he was Alexandria. Yeah, I remember this they changed his story. Yeah, let's play the audio. We will not stop there, however. Richard, this is a big night for all of us. That's right, Miss York. You know, it's been a long, hard road. But the road you're taking, Brian Pillman, is coming to a dead end. Because all my life, I've been a champion. When you mention Richard Morton, it is championship material. And it's going to be no different. Because tonight, brother, I'm coming to be the light heavyweight champion of the world. So, is he part of the gimmick, too, of the, yeah, of the computer? Yeah, so they changed him up. So, I guess what happened was... Robert Gibson got injured, and Ricky Morton was on, you know, by himself. And uh, they decided to uh, turn him into a heel, and they changed him to Richard Morton, so he was a part of the York Foundation. Um, nothing really changed much other than him referring to himself as Richard Morton. There's the referee with the helmet cam. Yeah, uh, this is going to be great. It's like Nick um, Patrick. Yeah. Good old... It's uh, a hockey. I just yeah. noticed that. Yeah, so. it's a hockey helmet yeah. with a camera on it. Um, and so, yeah, he was renamed Richard Morton as a member of the York Foundation, but he still looks like Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express. They didn't change anything about him. Look at his ring attire. He looks like he's from the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. Like, this is... They even give him sparkles. Yeah, they, yeah, he got he got the pyro treatment. Look at that. Yeah, Richard Morton with Alexandria York. That's the only thing that changed about him. And he's got... Is he actually going to ask for the... Computer's advice? That's what I'm trying to know. Um, possibly. Quite possibly. Here, look, 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 referee go. camera. I, I talked about this on an old episode. I don't know if you listened to that one. But talking about the, the, the short-lived experiment of the referee camera here. No. And how, like, it's a detriment to the guys in the ring because you... You know, the camera could pick up the audio of them communicating with each other. You could probably see them talking to each other if the referee got close. You know what I mean? So it was it was cool in the sense that they were trying to implement like a more they're trying to bring like a sports element to the presentation. But in this instance, it didn't work no because way. you know like sometimes you'll you'll probably see here. You know, when the referee goes down for the cover, the camera angle is going to look all funky because it's from the referee's head. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to to really get it. See, look, like you can see little parts of it here. Just as, just the feet. Yeah. You know, just the feet. It's like, yeah, it's it's. It wasn't the best experiment. I understand why they did it, and in theory. You would think, oh, that's cool, but execution was not the best. I would have to agree with that one. That uh, it's just really weird. Even just see the um, the referee with hockey helmet on. Yeah. He looks like a douche. Oh yeah, major league. Yeah. This should be a good match, though. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, I. I can't see them having a bad match here. It's just interesting that, like, you know, to see Ricky Morton as a bad guy because, in my opinion, in my opinion, he is. In the here top. we go. Yeah, he's looking for the advice. He's looking at the, the computer. computer. And look, they have the screen tilted so you can't see it. <laughs> it's probably not plugged in. First of all, the battery's probably dead. But um, the um, in my opinion, Ricky Morton by himself. Is in the top five baby faces of all time. Oh, it gotta be. Ricky Morton, Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, 
Dusty Rhodes and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat are the top are, are easily the top five best baby faces of all time. True baby faces. I'm not talking like yeah. badass, you know, rebels like Steve Austin or Undertaker. I'm talking tried and true baby faces. Clean cut, good guys. I I guess maybe you can take one of those guys out and put John Cena in that role and you know, in that five, but it's a good list, yeah. But Ricky Morton to me like he was You're probably going to put Cena Bomber in there too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cena Bomber probably makes the list. Yeah. But Ricky Morton Ricky Morton could have been he could have been a top baby face as the NWA world champion if he did if if he if he didn't prevent Jim Crockett promotions from firing Robert Gibson. Did he uh, when he first turned heel, didn't he uh did he have a title shot done in my head? Uh, he had that suit on. Ricky Morton? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. This, Man, you might be it. talking about this. When he went to the York Foundation. Maybe. I just remember him had a suit on. And he's like... That's quite possible. Yeah. Well, I know that, like... So... Funny story. Well, interesting story. Not funny story, but a cool story. Regarding Ricky Morton. I interviewed him during my time on the Ken Reedy show. Um, I had met him at a indie show in New Jersey a couple days before WrestleMania in 2013. And I wanted to get a picture with him and Robert because I was a big Rock and Roll Express fan. I got a, actually a picture of them on the wall in the corner over there. And um, I didn't know this, but he was like, he was like, come back at intermission. He goes, he goes, uh, he goes, I, I won't charge you as much. I said, for real? He's like, yeah. He's like, it's ridiculous what they charge up here, up, up north, for, for, for pictures and stuff. He goes, down south when we do shows, he goes, it's it's cheaper. It's five bucks for a picture. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So I paid $10 to meet him and Robert and get a picture signed. Pretty good. And get a picture taken with them. So anyhow, um, I introduced myself and just said, hey, me and my buddy, we do a podcast. We'd love to have you, have you guys on. Um, and I think Robert Gibson kind of walked away when I said that. But Ricky stayed, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, he was, yeah, I'll do your show with you. You know, here, take my number down." So he took my, so he took my number down, or I took his number down. And he's like, "Just call me when you when when you want me on, and we'll we'll set something." He goes, "I'm going to be doing a tour next weekend, so maybe the weekend after that, or something like that." Because I said, "Don't I do a show on Sundays?" And uh, so I called him, and. Um, you know, I said to him, uh, you know, I said, we'll talk about whatever you want. You know, is there anything you don't want to talk about? He's like, no, nothing's off the table. And then I said to him, is there anything you would like me to promote? And he was like, he was like, no. He goes, that's the promoter's job. He was like, he goes, you, he goes, you shouldn't be promoting what, sh what the next show I'm going to be on. And I was like, okay. He was like, yeah. He goes, you're just a podcast the guy. You you don't need to promote the show. See, look at the camera angle here. Yes. It's it, it's 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 strange. You know what I mean? Um, so anyhow, I had him on the phone for a few minutes, and then you know, um, uh, so we did the interview. He was great. Told a lot of great stories. The story in particular I'm about to tell was in '86. He was with Crockett with Robert. They were a tag team, and they were fucking red hot. And they did the angle where the horse, I think, 
Was he with Flair? No, they, they, I think, I forget what year it was, but it was in the 80s. He was with Crockett. They did the angle where the horseman broke his nose. I don't know if you remember that. And uh, so he had, he had a title match with Flair at like one of those Great American Bash stadium shows. This was before like the Great American Bash was a big pay-per-view. It was just a tour. And they'd run summer tours and do like outdoor venues and shit. And he had a match with Flair. And um, they said to him before the match, they were like, we want to put the belt on you. And um, he was like, well, what's going to happen to Robert? He was like, well, we're going to let him go. And he was like, no, we're not. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to win the belt. I, you know, I'm not going to leave Robert high and dry. That's my partner. And I'll never forget that. Um, when he said that too, because he referenced Shawn Michaels kind of dumping Marty Jannetty off to the wayside. Yeah. And that Jannetty, you know, Jannetty was super talented in the ring, but, you know, behind the scenes and to this day, you know, I don't think that's poor right guy term. can't get his shit together. I, I don't know if that's the right terminology, but, uh, it sounded like they were just going to let go of, of, of um, Robert, of, of Robert, that, uh, and Martin Giannetti, the WWE, WWF, gave him a thousand chances to yeah. shine. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he blew it. Absolutely. No, I agree. Um, yeah, so Robert basically said, no, I will not win the title. I will not participate in this. Um, and so they, they had to change the finish. And Flair won and kept the title. And I believe Robert Gibson, yeah, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, they stayed as a tag team. But I think there were some issues with Jim Crockett and Dusty Rhodes and Ricky Morton after that, um, because Morton pretty much, you know, he, he turned down an opportunity to be a huge single star. Yeah. And to have a run with the title. You think you could because of his partner, because he didn't want his partner to be left high and dry. It's very admirable. Oh yeah. But I also think he probably saw the other side too, like him as a tag team. Uh, that was... It was more marketable than him absolutely. as a singles. I totally agree with that. I think him as a singles, I don't think it would have been a long-term thing, but I think they. I think he could have... I think he could have gotten a good year or two as a single star. You really think so? In a top role. Okay. As a babyface chasing for the belt. Back then, if he chased Flair for the belt for an entire year and they blew it off at like a Starcade or a big event like a Great American Bash... Chasing him for the belt every year. You know that formula? That, that was yeah. the old formula back in the day. They, the babyface chases the heel champion. And it used to go on for six months to a year, if not even longer. Back then, it would have made sense. But what would Robert have done? You know what I mean? Yeah. It would have been, it, I think, in my opinion, based on the conversation that I had with Ricky Morton when I interviewed him, I should say we, because Ken also interviewed him too. Well, all due respect to Ken. It was his show. Um... I think if Robert was injured and they proposed that idea to Ricky, I think Ricky would have taken them up on the offer because at least it would have given, it wouldn't have, it would have, they wouldn't have fired Robert for being hurt. You know what I mean? They were actually going to fire him. huh? Well, that's what he said. He said that they were going to let him go and they had, they had, they, they wanted to move him up. And I mean, cause if you think about it, and we've talked about tag team wrestling before, but Ricky Morton pretty much like perfected the hot tag. You know, he was the baby face that got killed and sold like a motherfucker. Yeah. And then would make the huge comeback and tag it to Robert 
and it would just be you know the place would go wild but the girls and the and the fans and the young guys that idolized ricky morton especially in those days in crockett they would go crazy when he was in trouble you know what i mean they would just go nuts so I think because he was so good at selling and so. Who does camera work, by the way? Show the show the shot of the crowd. Well, he's yeah. in a rest hold. Yeah. It's one thing if like it was like a drop kick off the top rope, but he's in a rest hold. All right. You know. Sometimes they say, do that. The cameraman to this pay per view. This is this is this might be. Yeah, the they, they, they've they've had a few. Uh, they've they, they've struck out a few times with with certain camera angles. Yeah, I'm sorry that, that broke up your story. No, 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 that's okay. But all I was just basically I was just saying is that like I think because Ricky was so good at like getting people to sympathize with him and his his way of selling in a match and his psychology that people just were gravitated to him and that's why they probably felt like at least management did within Crockett that they could they have something with him as a as a singles baby face. You know? Another guy that they could put with flair have great matches yeah and like there's a match they had in a cage i think it was like 86 it's on the network and it was so hot in the in the in the ring that night those guys were sweating like the minute the match started and they, they just fucking tore it up but they they this was the only real singles run ricky ricky had because Robert was injured, and they decided to do something different with the heel turn, which uh, I wasn't a fan of, even as a kid, because I was a Rock and Roll Express guy. Yeah, we all were. Yeah, you know, Ricky and Robert go down probably. I mean, they deserve to be on the Mount Rushmore, even though I didn't put them on my Mount Rushmore of tag really? teams. Yeah, really? I didn't. I thought you did. I had Road Warriors, Dudleys, Freebirds, and Steiners. I probably could have taken. I probably could have taken the Steiners off. But I like the Steiners. I'm a I'm a I'm a Steiner brother, Mark. Yeah. As a as a team, they are criminally underrated. But who are the bigger draws? Rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. But, uh, In this light heavyweight division here, match. this was uh, yeah. WCW trying to create something new at the time. Um. Pillman being at the forefront of it, this would eventually lead to you know the series of matches with Liger. Yeah, those are good. Those are great matches. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. Yeah. But this is this is towards the end of the run for Jim Hurd as president. I think Thank Bill Watt, I think Bill Watts comes in late ninety one, early ninety two. And uh That's that it? Yeah. That it? Wow. That's the finish. Yeah. Brian Pillman, your new light heavyweight champion over Ricky Morton. I would agree with that booking. Pillman's got Ricky's hair. Stuck to his elbow. <laughs> You're right. From his mullet there. Referee Nick Patrick with the helmet cam could hardly see the finish with that with the, with the camera work there. That's why it didn't work. That's why it just didn't work. Here we go to the replay. Good looking flying cross body. cross body. Yeah, that was beautiful. One, two. I think he's saying my hair, my hair. Yeah, <laughs> he might be. I think he did. You might be right. That's a nice shot there from that referee cam. That's a nice point of view there. But then this is where it goes to hell. Two. Three. He's like, get the fuck off me. 
back to JR and Tony. Oh, like Gallagher, Tony. Yeah, he's, he's like staring off in the space. Let's play the audio for this. Has a great deal of mystery, a big cloud over it. Because the Seaman about to take the ring to meet the WCW Halloween Phantom. And unfortunately, <laughs> so nor Missy Hyde have been able to ascertain his identity. Well, hopefully, maybe we'll find out the identity of the WCW Phantom sometime during the match. Like you said, a great deal of mystery surrounded. We are looking for it. I know the Z-Man is ready, and it should be a tremendous matchup. Great deal of speculation on this one. Let's go to the ring. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest it is set for one fall. Introducing first, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, weighing 241 pounds, the Halloween Havoc! Oh. Does he last two minutes against the Phantom? I don't know, but they 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 redecorated the set um, with the spooky, stupid Halloween stuff um, from the first match. So let's play the audio for this WCW Phantom. I'm right, dying to see what this is. Parts unknown. Weight unknown. The Halloween Havoc Phantom. Oh my god. What is this shit? <laughs> What's even sillier? Well, I. Wow, I wonder who this could be. I can't see. I can't. I'm trying to see fans as you are at home. I, I can't place this man. What's even sillier is the fact that the guy under this mask actually agreed to do this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why did you the mustache? Which, like, by the way, for those of you out there, it's ravishing Rick Rude. Um, who um, was pretty much out of wrestling for I would say the better part of a year at least in the United States um, he had left the WWF in the fall of 1990 um, over a dispute with Vince McMahon I think it was regarding money he was in the middle of an angle with the big boss man um, and he left and then uh, he made some he made some appearances in Herb Abrams UWF but um, that ended quickly because he was still under contract with the WWF, and so therefore they had to. He couldn't. He couldn't appear on TV, and then I think eventually his contract ran out. Um, but he ended up going to Japan and wrestled in All Japan Wrestling for a little while, before um, deciding to agree upon this stupid idea, debuting as the the Halloween Phantom for WCW, but. Uh, you know, once he took the mask off and everyone saw that it was him, and we'll see that shortly. Um, I love how he no-selled it right yeah. into the breaker. <laughs> Rude awakening. And that should be it right there. One, two, three. I mean, once he saw the mustache and then he saw the uh, the neck breaker, I was like, yeah. I wonder how this could be. Yeah. I know, right? Look at the mask. It's all <laughs> con- combobulated. Like, it's not even on right. Like, it's... I can't believe he fucking agreed to this. Yeah, Why would he... You're ravishing Rick Rude. You're a well-known name. You're, you're, t- you know, you were like a big deal in the WWF. 
you hear any singing in the background, it's my roommate's girlfriend. Just to give you a heads up. She's not very talented <laughs> at much of anything, let alone singing. Let's uh, l l let's play the audio for. Uh... Oh no, we're not. I thought we were gonna do the promo. No, it's the Battle Bowl once again. Um, but yeah, I don't get like Rick Rude. You were a big name. You wrestled Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake. You know, like you were part. You were managed by Bobby Heenan. You know, you were seen over millions of people around the world. Why couldn't they just debut him as Ravishing Rick Rude? Like, why they they didn't need to do this stupid phantom shit? Like, yeah. come on, for real? Like, what did they do to big reveals tonight? Isn't it? Yeah, it's after the match, I believe. Um, I thought it was right now. Is it? I honestly don't know. Oh, but we have. Oh, dear lord. These guys are the tag team champions. The Patriots. The U.S. Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip. So what exactly... I, I never heard that terminology before. The U.S. Tag... The US, WCW had United States Tag Team... NWA and WCW had United States Tag Team Champions for a little while. Okay. Um, because they had a lot of teams in their tag team divisions. So I guess you kind of But this is not the up. official WCW champions. They're, tag teams. Yeah. Like... Before this is, you know, this is obviously during a time period where um, the uh, have we seen this is this is before this is after Crockett was purged. Oh, and here are the WC or yeah, the World Tag Team Champions, Arn Anderson and Larry Zabisco, the Enforcers. I think that's an idea or that uh, have a mid card tag team. I never saw this before. I mean it. So for a while in like Crockett and like and and the, you know uh, towards the end of uh, you know before WCW was born, before Tur Ted Turner changed it over, yeah, you had two different tag teams, you know two different tag team titles. You had different tag teams in in the division. You had the Samoan SWAT team. You had the Road Warriors. You had um, the Freebirds. You had the Steiner Brothers. You had Doom. You had. Um, the Horsemen, you had the Midnight Express, you had the Rock and Roll Express. You had about ten tag teams, okay, in 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 WCW. So you split it up into two divisions. So during the heyday of the Horsemen, when Arn and Tully were the World Tag Team Champions, usually the Midnight Express were the United States Tag Team Champions. And so they would feud with guys like the Fantastics and the Rock and Roll Express, etc. While the Horsemen had the likes of the Road Warriors and then maybe the Rock and Roll Express every once in a while or Sting and Nikita were a team or Sting and Luger, you know, shit like that. So there were a lot of tag teams um, in the uh, uh, in WCW. So they had two different tag team divisions, kind of like when you have, you know, I mean, obviously now in current WWE, you have two different tag team divisions because there are two different shows. Um, and there's been talk about in AEW creating a six-man tag team championship, a trios title, which they have enough teams to do that. And you see a lot of trios pairings on on AEW, Jurassic Express, SCU, um, Death Triangle with Pac and uh, Lucha Bros. You know, young the Elite, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um, Inner Circle. 
with you know Santana and Ortiz and uh, any one of those other guys. So there's a lot of you can go different dark order. So you can go you know you can split up and have a tag team division and a six man tag team division because they have the amount of talent to do it. The problem with that is is that if you focus on one, you might lose focus on the other. You know what I mean? Yeah, good point. You, you, you might you might put more focus on one of them and the other one you just might you know. But you you would have your fall to the wayside, they, yeah. as they say. But you you would have your tag team be like the tag team champions, be like more more higher up, and then like mm-hmm. your mid card would be like the, the six man. Well, I've said this for a long time. You know, WWE needs to differentiate. Um. I feel like they're tag team divisions. You know, you have Raw tag team champions and you have SmackDown tag team champions. Why not turn? Why not? Why label them Raw champions and SmackDown champions when you can say these are the WWE tag team champions and these are the WWE six man tag team champions? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what free um, show? And and that and and so for instance, if you like six man tag team wrestling, you know. You, you can see the six-man tag team champions on SmackDown every Friday night. You know, New Day, for example, would be a perfect uh, you know, so way to kind of usher in that. You know, and you could also toy with, you know, I know a lot of wrestling purists out there would say that, um, you know, throwing two random guys together to form a tag team is, is, is you know, ridiculous and it's not a tried and true tag team. I don't really team. like it. Some people don't like it, okay? But in the case of a six-man tag team, you could throw a tag team with a singles guy or three guys together to want to, you know, build to be a tag team. You could execute a storyline where three guys are just kind of in limbo and they're not sure where their careers are and the three of them decide, you know what? Let's let, let let's make a run at being six-man tag team champions. Let's see if we got chemistry together. You know what I mean? Try to build a story to get to that point with certain guys if you're not using certain guys. But the problem is there's too many titles. There's too many guys. It just it, it, it dilutes the championship concept. You know, you have a women's tag team champion currently yeah. in WWE. And for Christ's sakes, those belts hardly get defended. Yeah, and there's hardly there's you what there's two teams maybe three tops that you could say are like real women's tag team. You know what I mean? What if you just had one women's singles title, the WWE Women's Championship, and then you have the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, and one brand is known for having the women's singles champion, and one brand is known for having the women's tag team champion. It's kind of, it's kind of a good idea. You know what I mean? But the problem is, is that they feel like if they were to, in my, this is my theory. I feel like the company, in a sense, um, they want they want they they want both shows to feel like equals. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean. And also, it's, it's um, to a to a higher extent too. It's the sexes they want uh, both male and female to have the same importance. Yeah. Same titles, same yeah. kind of titles, etc. 
Like I look at I look at the the championship situation and especially in WWE, you know, people say, oh, for years they've had too many belts, and yes, that that could be the case. You know, you have a brand extension currently right now, so you try to keep up with the consistency, and for the most part, they've done a decent job, better in better in recent years than they have in previous years. Yeah. You know, and especially in the beginning, they didn't keep up with shit. Guys would bounce from show to show without any rhyme or reason, and you it just didn't, you know. I'm a big believer, though. Mangle, but, but um, to my point, that the championships, I look at, you know, the way that they have championships structured today with, you know, how they have, like, a Raw Women's Champion and a SmackDown Women's Champion yeah. and then a Raw Tag Team Champion and a SmackDown Tag Team Champion. I, I, I kind of compare that and draw that parallel to sports with divisions. You have... The, 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 in baseball, the American League East and the National League East and the American League West and the National League West. So, like, those divisions are all the same, but just separated by American League and National League. Okay. You know what I mean? That's, what I, that's how I kind of draw a parallel and try to explain it to people, you know, with, when it comes to the belts, the championships on TV. That's just me. I mean, but some people look at it differently, you know. I, that's how I choose to look at it and choose to, to understand it. But now what do you think about titles, um, you know, and, and the overusage of titles? You know, are there too many championships in wrestling? You know, what's your take on it? Um, that's a good question. That uh, if, if, if there's only too many championships if they're not being utilized. That 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 uh, and as you mentioned, like like the women's tag team, that that they need to utilize them more. That that uh, why why have a championship if they're not gonna be defended or, or 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 like you know in an angle or something, you know, that uh, so, I actually think there's not enough titles that that to believe it or not, because I think there should be a woman's mid card, that um, that that especially that needs to get implemented. We got all these girls and like a women's like intercontinental or exactly. a women's like U.S. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, I've heard that there's been talk of that um, over the over the years, but I don't know how serious it is. I think I think that talk has kind of died down since they added women's tag belts. To be honest with you, but um, they're so. I wouldn't say desperate for ratings, but they, they they have a hard time being consistent, and staying with, with the course with a plan, and then just kind of a, like ditching things and and letting things go, um, because they are so hell bent on trying to you know impress the television networks and get the ratings that they feel that they you know that are warranted for you know the networks. So it's kind of hard. You know, it's kind of hard when you when you you look at um, the championships and you know they add another title. It's almost like they add a title to reward someone, but then they don't have a real plan with that championship. Like the women's champ tag team titles, for instance. You know, they debuted them over a year ago, and look what's yeah. happened. It's a mess. Yeah, it's a shit show. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, at least during this time period in WCW, they were trying to, 
I think the, I I want to say they were they were trying to eliminate the two championships because in, in this particular instance they didn't have enough top tag teams to warrant two tag team divisions. Yeah. You know, look I mean look Arn Anderson Larry Zbysko two world class performers up in there against fucking. Um, I never saw these guys before. Firebreaker Chip and Todd Champion. This guy looks like Jim Powers here. A little bit, yeah. You know, I mean, there's just. The USA guy kind of has a good look to him. That's about it. Yeah. Everything else, he's like, you know, fuck this. <laughs> you know, you got no skill. So the other guy, though, is supposed to have a fireman gimmick, right? Yep, there's a fireman, and then there's like a patriot. But if you're watching him wrestle now, he has blue trunks on, and like, you're. Like, how do we know? But his boots got flames. He came out, he, he, but no, he came out with the suspenders and the hat during the entrance. You must not have been paying attention. Nice spine buster yeah, by Arn Anderson. Spine buster. That's got to be it, right? Yeah, I hope so. Thank fucking God that's the end of it here. Arn Anderson, Larry Zabisco win. I'm going to do a time check here because we had a little technical malfunction. Uh, we are at. Two hours, nine minutes, and three seconds. Four, five, six, seven. Um, so probably next up is the main event. Don't you think? Because two out of three falls, right? I would. I would guess that the main event is now. Let me look at the. Let me look at the card here. Um, yeah, the main event should be next. But before the main event, the big reveal. The big reveal. The the Halloween Phantom, if you will. We should be. We should be. We we should find out fairly soon. Um, what this Halloween Phantom is all about here. Let's uh, let's play the audio see what JR and Tony have to say. We hope that you are as well. Tony wants to go home so <laughs> Looks like he's falling asleep. once and for all, very conclusively, why they are, without a doubt, the best tag team combination right now in the world today. But uh, our big matchup is still to come. But before we go back to the ring, we understand that Eric Bischoff has a very special interview, Tony, with a guy that's always got a lot to say. Yeah, Eric Bischoff right now is at the ringside area, and Eric, of course, was uh, earlier on looking for the Phantom. He didn't find the Phantom, but he has found someone else. And let's go to Eric. What do you say? Eric Bischoff with a very familiar face. Well, thanks, Jim and Tony. And what a great night of WCW action. We've still got our two out of three fall match for the heavyweight champion of the world to come. But I'm here because I've been told that my former broadcast colleague, Paul E. Dangerously, has some news that is going to shock WCW to its very core. And as Paulie Dangerously makes his way to the interview area accompanied by Medusa. Yeah. Paulie Dangerously, I'll ask you point blank. Medusa. Whew. What is this earth-shattering news? She was a smoke shot. First of all, there's a story that nobody here has had the guts to break. For those of you who have been watching television and haven't seen me for a couple of weeks, WCW is headed by a steering there's committee. Your, uh... A bunch of modern-day Einstein that don't realize yep. it's 1991. See, these guys think I'm too controversial. These guys say, call it interestingly, you're too outspoken. So they say to me, Paul, eat dangerously. You are no longer the co-host of World Championship Wrestling. And the way to bankrupt this whole damn company is 
is that take away your heroes. And I'm starting right at the top with Sting. Because what would WCW do without Sting? So, I went out and got the first lady of world championship wrestling, Medusa. Yeah. And I said, Medusa, find me the man that can eliminate Sting for good. Find me this man, and this man is here in this building tonight. And Jim Ross couldn't pull his mask off. And Tony Schiavone couldn't pull his mask off. Maybe you could have, but he's been in the back watching the World Series game. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the man Medusa brought to me is here tonight. His name is the WCW Halloween Victor. I think you would have kind of cool if you gave him an Easter egg. He's the only man cheering for the Minnesota Twins in this <laughs> arena. It's the only man on the face of the planet that can help me bankrupt this company till I can fire and fire every single person that has stood in my way. The man behind this mask is the only man His mustache is sticking. <laughs> yeah, what hurts you? Who this could be, Jake? The man behind this mask is the only man that can crush the hopes of the little stingers until the man stands over the remnants of his career and says, Ashes to ashes! Dust to dust! Rest in peace, stinger! To put the hat on this off. Over. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the next United States subject of Rick Rude here was his WWF run better or was this WCW run better that's a good question so think about WWF for a minute yep. Ultimate Warrior Jake the Snake it was never Roddy Piper champion. he had a good rivalry with Roddy Piper those were probably like his three biggest you would say WWF at the time seen worldwide globally huge you know all across the world comes to WCW they're a little more regional Likes of Ricky Steamboat, Sting, Dustin Rhodes, Nikita Koloff. What do you think? I gotta give the nod to WCW. Okay. They threw the world title at him, you know. Well, he they 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 gave him the international title 
It wasn't technically the... Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, he wrestled Ric Flair, too, and he won the big gold belt. It was considered the international title. Okay. It, was, it wasn't a world title, per se. Um, but, yeah, Rick Rude. And he, he beat Sting, didn't he? For the... I believe he beat Sting for yeah. the United States title. Okay. After this, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah. Um, Sting... You know, like I said, Ricky Steamboat, Nikita Koloff, Dustin Rhodes, Ric Flair, et cetera, et cetera. Um, quite the list. You got to figure, though, on the opposite side of the coin, the, his biggest, like, um, I I, it, I actually think it, it's, well, maybe because I'm, I'm born in Connecticut, but it, his uh, angle, or like his feud, that's probably the most famous. We got to figure that that uh, was probably Jake the Snake to win things. I would, I would guess so. Yeah, I mean, with you know the the Cheryl Roberts tights, um, here you see Ron Simmons inside the uh, the hallowed halls of yeah. Florida State University. Let's play the audio for this. Yeah, since was all American, when I come down here with the desire and determination that I want to be the best I could, and I was, so I want to come here and capture some of that. That's pretty cool that they kind of added this element with you know his history as you know as a football player in Florida yeah. State, and this is part of that like sports presentation that I think like this works. You know what I mean? The training videos, like you would see this sort of stuff like on an HBO, like a Real Sports or ESPN. Um, this, this stuff I think really helped get people behind him more. Um, I mean, not that Ron Simmons wasn't popular, but damn, like. You know, he, you know, he, when you watched him on TV, especially in WCW, man, those crowds went crazy for him. And granted, I think in this angle, didn't he have Dusty in his corner? Did he? Yeah. Oh, you're right. I think he had Dusty yeah. in his corner. Right there. Because Harley Race was backing up Lex Luger. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. That, uh, I do remember this match being really good. I've never seen this match before, so this is the first time for me. This is a first time for me, I will say. Like I said, this was a few months shy of when Ric Flair left. And Luger won the title. And There's only one part of this match. Uh, when we get there, or it's just like, this is why you're going to be um, the bridesmaid. 
Who are you referring to? I'm talking about WCW over WWF. Okay. There's a spot in this match. All right. Just like... I need you to explain that to me when it comes. Yeah. Look at this. These big block letters for his entrance. Look how silly that looks. Thanks, look like we made out of fucking tinfoil. I need to show the guys. Oh, my God. Camera. These cameramen need to go. The production. Oh, my God. This is terrible. Look at this. Yeah. It looks like something you would find at like a high school pep rally. I just rally. say, you saw the guys scrambling in the Yeah, background. they're trying to put this together. Like, come on. Mr. Hughes, that was always a big fan of him. I mean, he played the bodyguard role well, you know. The bodyguard to the stars. Yeah. <laughs> Lex Luger, Jericho. <laughs> who else did he bodyguard for? Yeah, it's I, for more, isn't I it? forget who else. I'm sure a few more guys. Yeah. He was always... Um, um, you know his his roles were Triple H. Forgot about that. He was yeah. Triple H's bodyguard for like a cup of coffee, as they like to say. Now I like this version of the WCW title belt that Luger's wearing. It's a beauty. Yeah, it's it's kind of like their version of what they call the winged eagle. Uh, let's play the audio for this. I think they're gonna do like the pre-match instructions. This definitely feels like a heavyweight match. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got Harley Race. You got Dusty in the other one. My man, the world's heavyweight champion, Lex Luger. I'm going to take another drag off my Salem cigarette. The only only guy I think um, um, Harley Race really enhanced was Vader. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Vader would, Vader would have been a, Vader would have still would have been a big star, but Harley Race, I think, as part of that package, it just worked. Yeah, it just absolutely worked, no doubt about it. Now you see Dusty in Ron's ear. That's right, baby. You gonna win the world heavyweight championship? I booked it. I told you you was gonna be the man. You gonna beat Lex Luger the total package if you will. Come on, baby. Yeah, Luger and uh, Ron Simmons here. This was, uh, I don't, I mean, I watched WWF at the time during this, so I didn't watch this. I didn't watch a lot of WCW in 1991. Um, so I didn't really see this. I didn't see this at all, as a matter of fact. And on the other channel, they were heading towards Survivor Series with Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan for the title. Yeah, it was, that, it was that this time, huh? Yeah, it was around this time. They had Undertaker and Hulk Hogan for the for the WWF Championship. Yeah, he beat Hogan what Survivor Series. Yep. Yeah. So the next pay per view would be Survivor Series, and then uh, this Tuesday in Texas. This Tuesday in Texas. After that, Hogan would would get the belt back. Yeah. Only to lose it again to uh, to, to uh, Jack Tunney, and then that's when they set up the whole thing with Whoa. the Royal Rumble and Ric Flair. The uh... The uh, shenanigans about he got that the Undertaker hurt him or something in the way he had to drop it. So I guess in an interview in recent months, he said something about um, that he told Undertaker, you know, go easy or something like that. He's claiming that Undertaker hurt him in that tombstone and he hit his head on, he hit the top of his head and jammed his neck up. But 
everyone and their mother that has seen that match in wrestling history will tell you that Hulk Hogan's head didn't touch the mat. If you remember the finish, Paul Bearer distracted the referee. Flair was at ringside. Flair slid the chair in the ring so that Undertaker could tombstone Hogan. The camera, who must have been the same guy that was doing the camera work on this fucking show, showed Undertaker tombstoning Hogan on top of this chair, and Hogan didn't even touch the chair. So I don't know what the fuck Hogan did to his neck after the fact, but Undertaker has denied it, and I think Undertaker even called out Hogan um, for being a liar yeah. over it. Yeah, Undertaker and Hogan don't have the greatest relationship I've heard. I, I heard they, there's there's some respect there, but I think I think there was some there was some politics that played into a fact into factors um, when Hogan got the rematch and regarding the finish. Like Undertaker was the champion for like a week, not even. And then Hogan got the belt back. And I think there was some politics that Undertaker was aware of and, and the way Hogan dealt with the situation that it wasn't um, um it kinda it kinda soured Undertaker on the experience with Hogan and he never really had like a good relationship. But they always respected each other, but they weren't buddies. And Undertaker just kinda didn't put up with Hogan's bullshit, I guess. So that was the that was the story I've heard. Yeah, it's the same thing, same scenario too. The like, but uh, yeah, I could have I could have ruined the Undertaker. And... What could have ruined him losing the belt so quickly? No, not just that, just like being known as a dangerous worker and like. Actually, the Golden Boy, you know, wearing the Golden Boy, anything. But he was, but he was starting to lose that Golden Boy status around that time too. If you remember, he That's was, true. you know, he, he. If you go back and you watch that match, they weren't all in 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 favor of Hogan. There was, the, it was in Detroit, a very blue collar town, and they kind of were were backing up uh, um, uh, Undertaker in in certain situations in that match. So. Um, and I think also too they were trying to phase out Hogan. I think this was part of phasing him out. Um, he was doing more TV and movies, and I think too they also sensed that the steroid trial was on its was on its way, and um, they needed to get Hogan out of there. Um, so I think Undertaker beating him at that Survivor Series was the first part of starting to phase him out, trying Good to point. get us fans to be conditioned of life in the WWF without Hulk Hogan. Nice power slam by Ron Simmons here. We're talking over this match. Yep. That, uh... I was, I was a fan of Ron Simmons. I tell you what, if I had to choose, I mean, like, there's no way in hell I could beat up any of these guys. Even the, uh... First fall first going fall, to Ron Simmons. Yeah. Look at that. And then we're going to see how the second fall ends. Why is Dusty getting in the ring? He's saying, well, he's, got, he's got he's got to steal the thunder. Ah, right, baby, you're gonna go in there and when the bell rings, you're gonna drop an elbow on him, and then maybe you're gonna kick him in the head. Okay, punch him in the face. Do what you gotta do, but you gotta get on top of him. You gotta make sure that you let him know that you ain't quitting, baby, because this is for the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. What the fuck are you doing in there? You're letting that son of a bitch beat you, and then he's got that other son of a bitch in the back corner. I didn't pay big money to be managing you. Now you understand me. You are the goddamn World Heavyweight Champion, and if you do not defend 
defeat him. Oh, let me tell you something. I don't listen to Holly Wraith, all right? You know, I, I'm the American Industrial I beat Holly Wraith for the World Championship in Florida Championship Wrestling one time. The plays went berserk. They were hanging from the rafters. It was so dead. I had the strap at the end of the night. That's right, baby. You are going to beat Lex Luger, okay? You just got to listen to me. Follow my directions, okay? You got to follow my directions. Listen to me. Clean the shit out your ears, if you will, all right? You're going to clean the shit out your ears. You're going to listen to me, all right? Because I've been the NWA World Heavyweight Champion before. I've been lo longer than Harley Race. More times than Harley Race. I wrestled the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair. I've wrestled them all. I've wrestled the Grace. Lex Luger is a chump. He's a loser, all right? He's a loser. He ain't going he ain't gonna beat you, all right? He's a loser, all right? Now, go on, get after it. That was pretty good. All right, I'm leaving the ring right now. God damn it. The fuck? My man is hurt. God damn. Don't ring the bell. Dusty, you shut the fuck up over there. <laughs> and you, god damn it, do your job. Where's your fucking helmet? You had it on the other three matches. Why don't you have the helmet on now? What's the matter with you? Supposed to protect the gimmick. Wear your fucking camera helmet so you can see that Ron Simmons is cheating. Luger's selling the back here from that power slam, which you you, you definitely don't see that in today's today's no. world of wrestling. That's for sure. Yeah. Holy crapola! Look at him. Who would have thought he got shot right now? My goodness. Here we go. Fall number two. And, uh, that quickly? No, I'm just saying. No, oh, it's coming. No, it's coming. But no, I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying this is fall number two. Then that, that uh, uh, this yeah, the finish to this fall pisses me off so much. But uh, and I'm cheering big time for Ron Simmons right now. I mean. How could you not with that video package that they showed yeah. of him? You know what I mean? Like, it made you want to get behind him, you know? There wasn't no special video package for Luger, you know? They they, they wanted you. They did that by design to... And he, hasn't, he, he didn't win the title yet, right? He's the, no, the, 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 he's, he's, he's about a year, you know, several months removed. Yeah. He didn't win the title till late summer of 92. Yeah, it was cool that he was the first black champion. Uh, yeah, I thought it was great. It was a cool moment. You go back and you watch that match, you see a kid in the front row. He, like, runs. Like, or he goes to the front row. He runs, and he's so excited that Ron Simmons won the title that, like, he's jumping up and down. He, like, almost cleared the, the barricade yeah. and made it out <laughs> over in front of the barricade. It was Vader, right? Yeah. They did a thing where it was, like, a drawing. Bill Watts was the, the figurehead on TV, the, the president. He, he was also the president in real life. and um, Or he was the executive vice president of wrestling operations for WCW. Interesting here with a roll up. Um, and they did a drawing. They had a bunch of wrestlers in the ring. And they drew a name out. And Ron Simmons' name came out. And he was scheduled to face Vader. And this was after Vader... This was, I think, like a couple of weeks after Vader beat Sting for the title. At the Great American Bash. And they were kind of foreshadowing that Ron Simmons was interested in being the champion because at that Great American Bash when he wrestled Sting, they are, there were camera shots of him uh, like on like the podium near the entryway, like watching the match, observing, kind of like scouting. So they kind of foreshadowed for a little bit that Ron Simmons was in the hunt to be the champion. But, yeah, that was cool. And I think what was messed up, though, 
was that they didn't televise his loss to Vader. They did it at a house show. Oh, really? Yeah, and then they showed the clips of it on TV. They didn't even give him, like, a proper, like, finish. You know what I mean? I felt like if you wanted to make his title change, you know, you want to make his loss significant, put it on TV or pay-per-view. They did it at a fucking house show in December of 92. It was, like, a couple days after Christmas. I think he lost to Vader at the Omni in Atlanta. I was talking to a buddy about this, and I and or or we're just having beers at his house, and and he goes, "How did um, but Bret Hart be be um, Ric Flair? Was that a was that a house show?" So that was at like a television taping that they were taping content for like Coliseum Home Video, and it, I guess. The way that their television tapings were structured, they would do like three or four weeks of TV with like superstars and wrestling. Ch- so they would go like a couple of days. Well, so like one day on a Friday, they would do like four weeks of superstars tapings. And then Saturday, they would do four weeks of wrestling challenge tapings. And in between those tapings, they would do, um, you know, an exclusive match for primetime wrestling. And, and sometimes they would do like other, you know, Coliseum home video content that you don't see on TV. So one of those television tapings, they, I remember the episode of Superstars, they announced that Bret Hart won the title over the, you know, earlier in the week in, in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan or something like that. And they had the television cameras there and they had the video wall and everything. And they taped it and the full match was shown on uh, like a Coliseum home video exclusive. Like they didn't show the full match on TV. It wasn't a pay-per-view, nothing. So the way that the television tapings were structured they were when they taped the Brett Ric Flair match, they were airing older episodes of Superstars. So chronologically speaking, they had to tape that match and then show clips of it for the next set of tapings that were already underway. It was like a, some weird situation like where like it and I think Flair was hurt too. I think he had some sort of problem with like his equilibrium and had some issues with his ear and I think that was like the first time he realized he had like an inner ear issue and I think also that was like the same time where they had the conversation where Vince had the conversation with him where like we're gonna go younger and we're gonna go with Brett and Sean and Davy Boy and you know all these different and they ended not going with Davy Boy but that was when they 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 said to Flair like we're gonna go younger and kind of phase him down um and then that's when i think he like gave his notice not long after and then just kind of you know did the 90 days um you know heading towards royal rumble and then he had the match with mr perfect on the monday night raw and you know the 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 retirement match if you will so but yeah i think the brett flair match i think that title match was kind of taped like like I said, there was some weird in-between period where, like, they had to do it. It's had something to do with Flair's injury. They had already taped and aired episodes of TV before they taped the Flair match. And the Flair-Brett match was taped 
as they were taping other TV. You know, something weird like that. I don't remember all the details, but that was what I had heard. I just got pinpointed. I'm glad you told me that. It was some sort of weird, like like I said, in-between period where they just had to get it done because he was hurt. Um, but yeah, that was the... Uh, that, that, that was what I had heard. Yeah. I could be wrong, too. There might be people out there that correct me, and by all means, I don't take offense to it if you do, but this is just something that I heard. I don't have stacks of information and notes in front of me um, when Dennis asked me these questions. I'm not Conrad Thompson. You know, I don't have it all in front of me. I just, we just kind of, we do this podcast like we're sitting on the couch watching wrestling. So, um, for those of you out there that need a visual, um, Mentally. Yeah, exactly what we're doing. Yeah. But, uh, you better like, make sure he gives up. <laughs> I always like Dick Patrick. We talked about that with Justin, where like Patrick had these like funny little referee mannerisms, like yeah. if there was like a two count or like hey, put the hand. Well, you check the shoulders, but like if there was like a two count on a, on a pinning attempt, he would point right to the hard camera. Like two, yeah, you know, instead of like some in WWE where the referee, po- you know, points to the timekeeper and what the count is. Uh, I thought that was intriguing. I think it was also trying to inform the viewers at home, per se. Harley Race, crazy motherfucker. You ever, you, you, I heard you never want to handshake that guy. Harley Race was a crazy dude. He he was all man. The reputation was that he was all man and one of the most respected. He was like this era's version of, or he was like this current era that we're watching here. Like he was like what Undertaker is to a lot of guys now. You know, people respected him universally, feared him too. Yeah. Did you ever hear the story about how he, uh, he threatened Hulk Hogan with a gun? No. You never heard that story? (laughs) That's a great story. So... Harley Race was still running the Kansas City territory for the NWA. And WWF was in town the same night Harley was running the show. And Ric Flair tells this. Ric Flair told this story once on a podcast. Um, Harley was the promoter. And, oh, and he's getting into it with Dusty now. This might be the second fall. For, no, maybe not. Maybe. Yeah, you might be right. And so... Harley, Ric Flair's in the dressing room getting ready and he's going to wrestle Brody. Bruiser Brody. Yeah, check this out. Okay. Oh, the over-the-top rope rule. That's what Fucking it is. Fucking bullshit. So Harley Race held Simmons as Luger went over the top so it to, so to the referee it would look like Simmons dumped Luger over the top. Because they had that, you can't throw your opponent over the I top hate rule. That so I hated bad. that too. And I, I hated the, the one later on when Bill Watts introduced you couldn't jump off the top rope either. Remember what? that one? No. Yeah, that was bullshit. They had a lightweight division. They wouldn't let you jump off the top rope. So there we see Race holding the tights. Referee can't really see it. Luger gets thrown over. And I just never understood Luger that gets the victory in this fall here. So anyhow, long story short, Flair's going to wrestle Brody, and he sees Harley Race leaving the building, and Harley Race puts his his gun in his pocket. Mm-hmm. And Flair's like, where are you going? He's like, he's like, I'm going to take care of some business. And Flair knew where he was going because Harley was pissed that WWF was running in the same town as they were. So Harley Race went to the building, and the urban legend, according to Hulk Hogan in his book, was that Harley Race came to the building and he set the ring on fire. 
he like torched the, the canvas, like poured gasoline and lit no a match way. and torched the canvas, right? Yeah. And Hogan wasn't there for that, but that's what he was told by all the boys. So all the boys tell him, Harley Race was here and he was looking for you. And Hulk was like, oh shit, what am I going to do? So Hulk, so the arena where they were performing, there was a bar that was adjacent to the arena. So Hulk went to the bar and he said that he drank like two bottles of wine to blow the edge off because he knew Harley Race was coming. So then at one point, Hulk's got to go take a shit and he goes to use the toilet. And all of a sudden, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, walks in the bathroom. He's like, Hogan, Harley Race is here and he says he's going to fucking kill you. So he like stooged out Hogan that Hogan was taking a shit. So Hogan gets up Pulls his pants up, gets out of the stall, and Harley Race is standing in the bathroom with a gun pointed at him. And Harley Race looks at him and says, I came here to blow off your fucking kneecaps, but I'd rather work with you and draw money. I'll see you later, kid. And he puts the gun back in his pocket. Hulk said that he had to go back into the stall and finish taking a shit because he thought he was going to shit his pants again. (laughs) And not long after that was when... I believe Harley Race sold his territory. Ooh, Luger got some color there. Um, that definitely was a hard way. I don't think that was on purpose because it's like on the corner of the eye and the cheek. Yeah. And this has been a pretty good match, Dennis. You were right. This has been a pretty good match here. Um, um, and, yeah, Harley Race sold his territory to Vince McMahon. And not long after that, Hulk Hogan and Harley Race ended up working together. And Harley Race was King Harley Race in the WWF. Yeah. That's a that's a really funny story. There's another great Harley Race story too. I can tell you quickly. So you remember the match he had with Flair at Starcade in '83 at the first Starcade in the Cage when Flair won the belt? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So apparently Harley Race had some issues with the NWA, and it was over some money, and I think it was over a percentage of his territory in Kansas City was going to get with the champion. And so he had had some issues going on with some of the top-ranking guys in the NWA, and he was booked to face Flair in the main event at Starcade. Well, Vince McMahon Jr. found this out, and he called Harley Race, and he said, can I have a meeting with you? And so Harley took the meeting. And back then, this is 83, there's no text message, there's no social media, there's no cell phones. So by the time Harley Race took the meeting, it was... 48 hours before the first Starcade, and the locker room in Crockett didn't find out about this until about, I'd say, the night before Starcade. So Harley Race takes this meeting in Stamford at a hotel because at the time, Vince and Linda they didn't have the big towers. They didn't have the big office in Stamford. They were still operating out of the basement of their home. So Vince took this meeting in a bathroom in a hotel in Stamford, and he offers... Um, Harley Race a half a million to three quarters of a million dollars to bring the NWA title with him and join the WWF because he wanted to kill the National Wrestling Alliance because this was literally, I'd say, months after he bought the territory from his father who was dying. And Vince was starting the big national expansion and he wanted Harley Race and he wanted the NWA championship so he could kill the NWA. And he offered him all this money. And Harley Race's response was, um, what do you see in the mirror? And Vince looks at him and says, I see two men having, you know, talking business. And Harley Race says, well, I got to look at one of those men for the rest of my life if I make this decision. Thank you, but no thank you. And 
He leaves. He drives all the way from Connecticut to North Carolina in a blizzard the day before Thanksgiving. Shows up to the arena probably in the middle of the second or third match. Nobody knows if he's coming or not. Okay? Everyone knows by now he took the meeting with Vince because every, you know word got word got around, but nobody knows he's gonna you know he's coming. He shows up, he kicks everyone out of the locker room, and there we see the finish. Luger with that pile driver over Ron Simmons in a, a very good match. I know I was talking over it, but um, kicks everyone out of the locker room except for Flair, Dusty, and 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 I think it was Jim Crockett, and looked at Flair and said, "I'm here for you, kid," and that was like Flair's torch passing moment harley race basically you know was like i'm here to do business with you and make you and you know the future is rick flair you know what do i need to do and that was the end of it wow yeah but to think if harley race took vince mcmahon up on his offer and brought the nwa title with him in 1983 wrestling would be a lot different yeah, i'll say so Ooh, replay here so we see ron simmons Running into the ring post. Yeah, Luger definitely got busted up over the eye. Definitely hard way. Not the best looking pile driver, but I'm not trying to cripple the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't trying to cripple this motherfucker, but to... To this day, I say this is Les Luger's, Les Luger's best match. You know, that was a damn good match, I will say. It was a damn good match. I know we talked over it a little bit, but... It was definitely a really good match as we we're at the end of this pay per view here. Jr. and Tony Schiavone recapping. Let's let's play the audio for this. Wonder, looking back at the match, how much he spent of his emotion in that first call. Well, you know that that's a good point, but really, if you take a look at what happened, there was a moment when oh, he he's excited he's going to on the ring. <laughs> One, two, and that was the closest that Ron Simmons had come to be the world champion this entire match. Dusty was up, everyone was standing up, and we all thought that maybe it was over at that time. I think that took it out of Ron right there. And the second fall, controversial as it was, the referee in his eyes saw uh, Ron Simmons elevate Luger over the top rope. The referee could not see that Harley Race was holding Ron Simmons. And that, of course, as we said, if they both men would have gone over, the match would still be going on at that time. Fans, it's been a tremendous broadcast. We know now that ravishing Rick Rude is being managed by Paulie Dangerously. Paulie's managing Medusa, and obviously Rude wants Sting. Rude wants Sting. He had made a bold statement not only to Sting, but everybody involved in WCW. I think it may be one of the strongest forces we've seen in a long time. Our congratulations also to Fly and Brian for winning the first WCW Light Heavyweight title. Fans, for Tony Schiavone, I'm Jim Ross. For our colleagues, Eric Bischoff and Missy Hyatt, we'll see you at Starcade. should be congratulating all of us for after to fucking sit through that shit. Yeah, my goodness. a couple good matches, I guess. Yeah, Pillman Morton, the match with Luger. Um, they saved the big pyrotechnics display at the end when no one's there to, <laughs> to see it. No one was, yeah. And then, of course, you had the, the, the Chamber of Horrors, which was the, 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 the shit show that started this off. Yeah. So overall, Dennis, we, we sat through this. We watched it. What did you think overall? Is it still one of the worst pay-per-views ever? Oh, definitely. Okay. But, but that, right. uh, but it's 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 definitely it's it's like the flaming young of shit of shit pay-per-views. It's that, that, this is uh, the the best worst steak. That yes, you could have? absolutely. Really? Yep. All right. Well, we're I'm telling you right now, 
next year around summertime, July, we're going to celebrate the 30 anniversary, 30 year anniversary of WCW's Great American Bash 1991 gimmick wrestling galore. Some of the worst shit you had ever seen. I'm telling you right fucking now, you might be changing your mind. You might be changing your mind about the about this filet mignon of shit pay-per-views. Honestly, I truly believe that. With the card I ran down earlier and what you're going to watch, it's going to be fucking brutal. But um, I hope that you all uh, managed to uh, stick it out with us this week in this watch-along of WCW Halloween Havoc 1991. Thank you all so very much. Uh, if you're looking for archive shows, something to binge and catch up on, you can catch on uh, catch up on all the shows uh, of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W. You can find Kicking Out at 2, Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warrior. Cool Truth with AC Whitehouse and Edwards covering AEW. Um, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude. This show kicking out of two if I didn't say it already and so much more. Search Retromania with a W. Find all these shows on multiple podcast platforms like Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. Um, next week, we can be talking about a bunch of random shit. The month of November, I'm, I'm pretty much, I got filled up already. Uh, we're going to be talking about a bunch of random shit in wrestling history. Um, you know, whether it's uh, the, the, the dream match that never took place between Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels. We're going to talk about who ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and who should have ran over Stone Cold Steve Austin Survivor Series. We're going to talk about some Survivor Series stuff, some War Game stuff. So next week, we're going to have a bunch of random shit to talk about. Um, the following week... Um, we're going to finally make up for what we couldn't do earlier this year, and that is the King of the Ring 1993 watch-along. Um, where Mike Ferrara special requested it months back, and because of the pandemic and everything was going on with scheduling, I kind of had to reformat the shows a little bit, and I couldn't do a three-hour pay-per-view by myself. So now that I'm able to have some people, you know, co-host, and everyone's schedules are, you know, a little more wide open, and you know, everyone's still being safe and you know healthy, um, that uh, you know, my, you know, Mike, we're gonna take care of it for you. King of the Ring 1993. And then uh, the following week, Blind Date Diaries returns kicking out of two as I'm going to recap WCW Battle Bowl 1993. The only time the Battle Bowl concept was brought, it had its own pay-per-view. Um, it was a part of Starcade a few times, um, but it was never its own pay-per-view name. So uh, 1993 Battle Bowl pay-per-view, I'm going to recap that for you. i got to watch that soon so I can give you guys a Blind Date Diary recap. I've never watched that show before from start to finish, so I'm going to watch it and I'm going to give you a recap. Uh, and then we're going to end the month of November, Dennis, with what you call the worst pay-per-view of all time. You were there 30 years ago, Survivor Series 1990. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah? I, oh, yeah, absolutely. Down, down to watch that with me? I'm sure. All right, all right. And that pretty much wraps up the, the starts and finishes the month of November here on Kicking Out at Two. And with that being said, I think it's officially about that time that we put this show down for the three count, and we'll see you all next week.